Want to show off your patriotism and love for firearms? You need to check out Goat Guns. Our authentic die-cast miniature gun replicas are a great way to celebrate your rights while adding a unique and high-quality item to your collection. They are fun to build and make a great display addition to your office, man cave, or anywhere you want to show off your collection. Start your collection today at GoatGuns.com. Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Ben. I'm JP. And I'm Kara. And we're back, lads. It's been a long week, long weekend. Feel like I've done nothing but talk to you, particularly JP, this last weekend. And it's been, it's been great, to be honest. You know, it's, uh, it's, ne- it's, it's never a bad thing. But yeah, we talked a lot of wrestling this last week and uh, a lot of news stories that won't go away. And here we are to chat them again today. But, you know. I would never be unhappy doing it with you two lads again. Oh, well, I feel bad because I missed out on the big one, which was the happy hour, which turned into from a happy hour to a session mm. by the by the sounds of it, it and got it got out of hand. It got yeah. messy, like yes, you know, certain things that happened to stay in behind the paywall, but you know, there were videos watched featuring prom- prominent British wrestling podcasters, um, and that's you know the. Use your imagination. Um, there were lots of discussions had about the, the, whether it was good to be ginger or not. That was a subject that came up at one point. But we also talked some wrestling, you know. Um, to be honest, star of the show, Gareth, uh, was Grapple Sarah. Um, that is now her name. Permanent fixture on those shows going forward. I know she's busy watching the Everton game right now, but, you know, can we, can we, are we going to get her back on in future? She was uh, in irrelevance. I don't know. I think she's run out of content. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah, she was uh, as, as as per usual. I was sat there uh, quietly at the side as she uh, dominated proceedings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was in good form when I saw her there as well. She ah, uh, she was that that first mic drop moment, mm. which you'd have to go back and subscribe to the Patreon <laughs> patreon.com forward slash grapple. Oh, you um, tease. But yeah, and then from there, when she's come, I mean, I say I haven't gone back from it. I. As I was telling people in the chat, I was watching a terrible film, but three episodes of Bullseye, so it kind of worked itself out by the end. But mm. yeah, this sounded like some wild shit. I mean, because I'd left when Andy and Andy had sung his um, Stonecutter song, which he's put up on Graps and Claps as well. Oh, that's great. Download Graps and Claps if you want to hear the full version of that. Never mind our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the spiritual successor to his uh, to Jeff Brett Rez's dead song. Um, <laughs> Rian does mention in the chat by the way Gareth yeah, yeah, you said you'd be there for 10 minutes on Saturday and we were there all night it was like going the pub on it that's what it turned into you need you need these things in a in a lockdown it was the most uh, most fun I've had on a Saturday night in a while uh, I was saying to JP before this is like you know you've done things where you've tried to have like socials at work or had things with like mates from home or whatever and things and uh, this one was just a genuine I don't know if it was just because like Sarah was on it with us as well but it just felt like a genuine night down the pub and we just had a mm-hmm. had a good laugh got pissed just you know it was a, it was a definite kind of 
spot on, light-hearted end to the uh, end to the week. Really, after after a pretty shit week kind of thing, it was uh, it was nice to kind of have a few beers and have a laugh and put a smile on your face. And yeah, mm-hmm. thanks to everybody who uh, participated and joined in, like all the comments flying in and everything like that it was uh, yeah, I was laughing made off. Great stuff. It was that kind of week, wasn't it? Where you needed a few fucking points. Oh, yeah. It really was. And you can't in real it... life yet. You know, like, I, it's funny. It does feel like in Liverpool, like, the, the I went out for a walk on Saturday with, because you're allowed to do exercise with, like, one other person, as JP well knows. And on Saturday, you go out, and I went out with me, with mate Alan, and then we bumped into two more people. And then we saw even more people on our, on our, on our little walk out. And it, it got a bit silly. Like, and then I got back to my house, and my dad turned up to say hello. I think everyone just thinks lockdown's over now. I think because it's because we're a few weeks away. Because yeah. we're in March again. That's the other thing. Like I, last March, literally, or, or less than a week from now, I was in Germany for WXW. Like uh, it, we've gone a full year. So I think everyone, everyone's just like, oh yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be changes coming. There's gonna be potentially promotions running in June. Um, you know, like life. There's gonna be you know live sports going on in the country. We're all gonna be able to go. Apparently, twenty first of June, we're all gonna be going to the pub. Yeah, it's all gonna be fine again. I was just furious because I was just furious because I was looking today and I knew I had tickets to go and see the Cribs in Halifax in June and I was just checking the date today mm. and it was June the twentieth and I was like, oh, missed it by a day. I can't believe it. Like, absolutely good about that. So hopefully, they nudge, nudge it forward a day. But um, like, oh. yeah, it's my birthday on the nineteenth of June, so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful I'll be able to do something this year. What are you gonna say, JP? Well, it's just wild because I'm going back in. Well, I've got to go for the compulsory tests for mm. teachers over the next sort of two weeks which is bizarre mm. three three of those sort of home tests regime stuff but my god i think there was a taste on saturday night of like wouldn't it be nice to do this after a tnt show or something mm. along those lines and you think yeah go to a pub have a few drinks i mean that's the problem is it's so fucking tempting and tea like teasing mm. but i don't want to be optimistic if there's one thing that we learn from 2020 is that optimism is not your friend <laughs> and uh it's a case where, yeah, positive podcast, this one, mm. um, positively depressing. But it, it's it's just one of these situations where, like, I wanted to be a bit demob happy. And I noticed it when I was out for a walk tonight. It was like, it was fucking heaving around. Mm. And but the weather's better as well, isn't it? Mm. Um, people at the week, uh, people probably pissed in parks. Mm. I wanted to break into that golf course again, but they've kind of put some bigger mesh fencing up as well. But I'm going to get my revenge on those fuckers before <laughs> they open up as well. No, no, in all seriousness, I honestly think like the change in the fact that now it's light, the fact that now you had a, a, that little extra couple of hours of, of daylight, especially for someone like me who stays up late and that, you know, the, the sun is out a little bit, even though it's not, it's not, and Gareth will know this, it's not, it's not warm yet. That doesn't stop the scallies going around, the, the wearing their, the, the, the scally black shorts and um, the, they'd replace the tracksuit with like the tracksuit shorts and the tracksuit t-shirt that's when you know it's summer in Liverpool I saw a lot of that uh, out of my travels at the weekend so the good times are coming oh Gareth you're on music okay. Can you hear me now? I was just saying, there's, there's, there's no like scousers when it gets to like three degrees and then the uh, shorts come out. And mm. uh, it, yeah, I'm like, I'm still got my big coat on and all that. And they're uh, wandering, wandering out in the shorts, trying to get every last ray of sun that they possibly <laughs> might be, you know, just to get a slight bit of tan that they don't have to pay for. Walking around Is it that bad? Oh yeah, it's bad. Do you not get it? I, I imagine are you not like a, a like a when when the sun's out, guns out type of person, JP. I can't see you out, no. out on your bike, you know, with your shorts, no, no top on, nah. letting the breeze hit you. Yeah? 
It's <laughs> yeah, same. I'll go red. <laughs> fucking I got the ginger skin. Oh, That's disgusting on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it seems like a very cool I still went on the beds, though, didn't you? I did. I did. I did. I tried to build up an immunity, Gareth. It didn't work. <laughs> I was like a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> radiation or something yeah i tried though but yeah i'm the same way i can't do that i, I i'm i'm finding it weird because it's like it's a little bit bright now and i've literally in my entire wardrobe now is just jumpers and fucking sweatpants and stuff so like getting used to like actually wearing normal people clothes again and leaving the house is a is a nice positive um but yeah i was gonna say other than the wrestling stuff you guys been up, up to anything outside of podcasting you know in your minimal time off i watched some one division last night that, that, that's something i've done i've finally caught ah. up with that so you know i I'm, I'm, I'm in with the kids i'm, I'm up to date are you enjoying it are you yeah, all the way up it's not my type of thing, but like I'm not really a Marvel kind of guy, but like yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I like I like the, the you know the the stop offs in you know eighties and nineties TV especially. I might have chose different shows to kind of rip off, like uh, you know mild spoilers here for the middle of the season. I'm not even up to date, but you know there's a they do like because they do I think um, you know seventies is like Brady Bunch, isn't it? And then eighties is like a Roseanne kind of show. But then the, the 90s and 2000s are like Ma- Malcolm in the Middle, it feels like, and then Modern Family. Yeah. But to me, they're kind of the yeah. same show. They're kind of the same generation. Like, I think of those shows that say, I know, like, Modern Family is more of, like, you know, the office style kind of, you know, talking to the camera stuff, but kind of the same, like, really. I, I wanted something a bit more mid 90s. So, like, I don't know what else you could have really put. I mean, I would love to seem to go, like, completely obscure and do, like, Brass Eye or mm. Alan Partridge or something like they're going to do but then that wouldn't really work for it i mean i've really enjoyed it and funny enough i've listened to wh's podcast oh i haven't knows yet oh they're great like going through all of the stuff there so like the kids are real char- uh, characters in the comics and the rest of it this is stuff i don't really know about but it's perfectly fun entertaining tv mm. um so I watched a thing called Zero 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 that was on Sky that was kind of quite unremittingly bleak. I finished that off, but that was that was quite good. But it, this is like kind of perfect contrast stuff, and like it's a thing I watch with my lads, like The Mandalorian, mm. and it's perfectly fine TV that I'm kind of aware of. And then it's just generationally they they grew up with it in the same way that Gareth's kids will be growing up with Marvel films and the rest of it. They'll be like for them, it'll always be something that will be part of their existence. So. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm fine with it. like Joe hated fucking comic book movies with a passion. Well, it's funny though, isn't it? Because you say that because it's like when we were younger, or especially me, and I imagine you guys as well. Like comics and Marvel and all that was like as niche as wrestling, at least in this country. You know, it was kind of like there were there were films and then there were the shitty spider-man films that would be on like sky movies at three in the afternoon and it was like seen as this lesser than kind of pulpy bullshit whereas like just think mm-hmm. I, I i i can't help anytime i watch a marvel movie and see like the the unbelievable money it, it makes and the unbelievable fan base that it is like i just think like to those like executives in the 80s and 90s and how fucking stupid they were um and how many how much money was missed out on back in those days or maybe maybe just the nerds all grew up and there wasn't that audience back then but they i did, don't know it's that i was, I think I was gonna that. say I, th- I just think it's I, I just think it's that i think if uh if you think about like the age i am now mm. and like i'd happily like watch some marvel 
film that I've been reading the comics of or, or whatever and be well into it. The idea of my dad at the same age of me. True. Yeah. Like sitting down, sitting down to watch a Marvel film, like just ain't happening. You know? Like, yeah, that's child, child, child of the 50s and 60s or whatever, sitting down to watch a bit of Spider Man and Iron Man. It's, I don't think it's happening. You know what? Thinking about it, when I was about 12, my dad would have been 32, <laughs> just younger than I am now. And I couldn't even picture him. Like, to me, that was just a man. He was, he was a dad. He was a he was a grown up, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it is different. like you do meet those people, don't you? Even at school, where mm. like, how old are you? Seventeen or fifty three? <laughs> There's a bloke I went to. It's just like I refuse to believe that you're the same age as me. Like, <laughs> you, like you should be drinking with my dad. And just thinking about that, actually, comic book films. There was one comic book film that was called Spawn. It was absolutely terrible. They put on one Christmas mm. late night. I ah, lost his temper halfway through that. I think John Leguizamo turned up as a little clown. And he just started swearing. Goes, Turn that fucking shit off. And he just like lost it. It was worth it for that. Like, and it was the reaction I was going for as well. So yeah, comic book, like that generation, mm. like they feel so culturally different. Like it, to say it's, it's fucking untrue. We are. But it's, it's like, it's like I got my dad to watch Hot Fuzz and he said <laughs> it was a bit far-fetched. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong, but you know, no. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I think we are. We're like we're the nostalgia generation. Like we absolutely are. Like in every way. Like I always say to you, like you know, I, I'm, I'm into my '90s hip hop still. You know, how many years later I don't listen to any modern music. But it's so funny. You go on like any, any like '90s hip hop video on YouTube, and every other comment is somebody who's probably about 15 going oh it's it's better than all this stuff these days this is when rappers rap this is the real stuff and people have just been saying that for 20 years now like we all we're all just living in the past in so many ways think about that for wrestling Mm. like it's still the attitude era it's still that way of booking it's still that way of tv Mm. and all of that stuff it's like it's just sort of got ingrained in our minds that this is how it's done Mm. and it's funny you mentioned like comics got smart about how to kind of market themselves it was like kind of brilliant work really from marvel mm. and then at the point of disney buying them as well which is a let's just say it was, it's a good big money transfer isn't it like mm. like buying buying up a meccano you'd imagine for 42 million it's just like a fucking solid move um <laughs> yeah, the way you played against us in the first leg well yeah that was it yeah <laughs> I, I fucked that up now haven't i um <laughs> But it's 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 one of these things that like kind of wrestling never progressed from that, mm. and I don't think it ever moved on from that kind of ninety seven period, and it was still stuck in the past. And even AEW, like part of the appeal for me, and I know it, it kind of even against kind of what I've just said now is that WCW feel to it, and it just ties into a time when I kind of mm. most loved watching when non wrestling fans were happy to kind of watch that around that time period. Mm. Sorry, I've worked in wrestling. Apologies. No, there's a connection there, though, isn't there? Because, like, I think WWE, like, you would think that there'd be a big cash in on that, you know, that you'd have, like, some kind of Marvel WWE crossover. Like, you'd think, because that, that's what I always admire about that, that like, the cinematic, the, the whole Marvel cinematic universe. I know, I know there's hardcores, like, with wrestling who would, you know, would hate the way, you know, maybe something doesn't follow the comic. Well, I've got mates who are bang into that stuff. But I think overall, they do fan service well. You know, they you are rewarded for paying attention to the Easter eggs in a one division. You know, there's an entire business around like, oh, you won't believe this thing in the background in one division this week. You know, are, are you rewarded the next week when they pay it off? 
WWE is just like yeah, wrestling in general is I don't know, maybe not wrestling in general. That's not fair to say. But WWE is the biggest company in the world. I've I've almost always done the opposite, haven't they? And in, in that you're actually actively punished for paying attention to that type of stuff. It feels like a continuation of last week's conversations, but mm. it feels like comic books treat their fans like fans. Mm. And when you see expos and conventions and the rest of it, there's a kind of genuine excitement about the whole thing. Mm. Whereas wrestlers look at their fans and quite secretly loathe lots of them. Let's oh, yeah. be honest. Not even it. that secretly. Not secretly. <laughs> yeah, not secretly anymore, is it? But he used to... Unless like, I've got a tenor in their hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it, and it's and it's an interesting. It's this kind of mindset of of kind of how you view it and how grateful they'd be are. Because I mean, there's lots and lots of people, actors in particular, who have these kind of second revivals because of. It sounds like I'm re- re- recapping the plot of Galaxy Quest, mm-hmm. but kind of live around these kind of like conventions. By the way, Galaxy Quest is a fucking amazing film. Just going to throw that out there as well. Um, but yeah, they kind of exist in this bubble, and but they kind of make themselves a good living from it as well. And it's it's less kind of it's it's completely other end of like those signings away from the kind of Virgil type signings and the mm. rest of it, and the one that Randy the Ram turned up to. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at our live chat. A few people saying, you know, Samoa Joe could have done a tie-in, being part of uh, the Suicide Squad. You know, uh, Ivan mentioning, you know, all, all, the, all the the fans who stuck on the Attitude Era, the ones that look forward to the Snyder Cut. Actually, there's some crossover there. Yeah, maybe, maybe that is actually more true. Uh, maybe there are more comparisons than there are differences. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, I say well, that you're a media studies teacher, DP. You're going to be doing a whole lesson on that. Yeah. I'm on board. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not watching it. Nah, bollocks. I watched it the first time round, and I was living. I didn't even pay money for it, and that, <laughs> like that tells you how bad I felt about the whole experience. Four four hours eleven minutes. Rians said here. That's Fuck. just fucking disgusting. Fuck. There's no excuse for that. Like this isn't Disvita Heimat, is it? Mm. You know, bloody hell, it doesn't need like kind of that that kind of length to it. Not German expressionist cinema, like you know, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Like it's it, bat, a terrible film. Justice League. I mean, I don't know if it's better than Batman vs Superman. Uh, Suicide Squad might be worse than than all of them put together. That's genuinely unwatchable. But Cena's in this new one, mm. and it's directed by James Gunn. Guardians of the Galaxy. So you kind of think, oh, I'll give him a better leeway. I like Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, oh, mm. I've, Big Dave proved us all wrong. There you go. There's we a win a fucking off. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, didn't that's, see that coming fucking 2010, did we? See, so yeah, that's another one you'd think that we would have uh, would taken advantage of, but they, uh, but they didn't. But I was going to say, you know, considering we're talking the, the, the Snyder Cut and the four hours, 11 minutes, speaking of things that were four hours and 11 minutes, um, it's plug time. JP, what have we got here? <laughs> what have we had on the uh, the Grapple Patreon this last weekend? And what have we got going forward? It is the first of the month, uh, in the famous words of Bones, Thugs and Harmony. Uh, so it is the time <laughs> uh, for people to uh, to sign up. Very different context, uh, their first of the month to our first of the month month but yeah there's a there's a lot going on and now is uh now is the time to sign up uh insert ad here yeah definitely definitely the time to to sign up because it's, it's it's the first of the month as you said i threw this at you with no prep either so i'm really excited no you haven't at all so you completely caught me off kilter i meant to mention i was gonna do this but go on what's going on gareth gets away i know i was gonna say i'm, I'm glad you fired his gp's way not mine <laughs> don't, don't want to yeah. take this off the cuff. 
<laughs> just entertaining myself. You, you, you knew you what you were doing. Time there, which is the kind of crucial thing. Um, no, we've done absolutely loads of stuff. Mm. So it sort of started off on uh, the Friday. We did the preview show, uh, the weekend preview show, and went through sort of most of the main news and previewed what was on over the weekend. Then we uh, we followed up with the progress show, the rise and fall of progress, which was fan voted. It yeah. was always going to win. <laughs> it was always going to win. Yeah. And it, it wasn't as kind of like, I, I think it was a very good, fair and balanced discussion to use the terrible phrase from Fox News. Mm. Um, but also then we had the happy hour, as we've referenced on Saturday, <laughs> which has been, uh, which was turned from a, a kind of happy hour to like I said earlier on an absolute fucking session. So um and you get all of that and you can see the video then on on the Patreon as well. You've got the daily updates from me. Um we do have a poll up at the moment. Have we got the results? It's um, still it's still running JP but it's close. It is extremely close. Well, because this week, and I'm going to get the live update right now, we've got it, we're doing our, our uh, second episode of Grapple Film Club, which, uh, again, drop it on you, JP. I think you're going to be hosting that one again. Uh, Gareth did the progress show, so I think it's yeah. uh, it's back back around to you for, uh, for Film Club. Back to you. There you go, yeah. Um, but yeah. The poll options for Film Club this week were Ready to Rumble, Gayer Girls, Money Plane, and Beyond the Mat. We're going to let the poll run till the end of this live recording, so uh, afraid only the, the live listeners are going to be able to influence this one. But right now, Beyond the Mat and Ready to Rumble, uh, 27 to 24, Beyond the Mat is just about winning. Um, I might still get Money Plane's got no chance. Gay Girls, unfortunately, got even less chance. So just You'll see that on the list on a regular basis, and you can tell <laughs> he chose that one as well. Did, did you say Ready to Rumble's 24 votes currently? So is that coming yeah. second? I was going to, well, I've like, Despite my WCW fandom, I've never seen Ready to Rumble, so I'm pretty eager to do that one because I've watched the Beyond the Mat a million times. So if anyone in here hasn't voted yet and you want to swing the vote my way, get your get your vote in there for get your vote in there for Ready to Rumble. Uh, but either way, I'll be happy to watch Beyond the Mat again for the millionth time. Yeah, I mean, I think you know Beyond the Beyond the Mat is the better film. Clearly, Ready to Rumble is one where I'm just thinking to myself, "Fucking hell!" Like. It's going to be abysmal. I remember watching it. I was out of my box. And I just sort of went, okay, fine. This is how it was. But I'm I'm up for watching all of these at the minute. So that's what, that's what we're looking to do for the poll. And if you haven't subscribed, we're going to be doing, um, if you become a King of the Mountain subscriber, you get to choose some of the shows. So we've, we're going to have one coming up, um, selected by our King of the Mountain, Robert, Robert Brocky. So, yeah. Looking forward to all of that. Well, I suppose we should move on from the plugs then. Uh, let's get into the to the proper stuff. Let's get into the news we've been avoiding talking about so far. Um, yes, the story that will not go away. Um, you know, we touched on it a little bit on the news show on Friday, JP. But mm. yeah, the uh, the shit show of the last couple of weeks with with Progress Wrestling did not end. Um, this last week, kind of had a feeling there might be more coming. Um, late on Thursday it was, uh, Progress. After we had the discussion we talked about last week um, and talking about uh, you know, the, the, their decision to continue to, to use Paul Robinson, their decision to not be you know clear and transparent about the use of Paul Robinson. We finally got a statement on Thursday that provided uh, that clarity, but you know, that clarity late in coming and didn't it hugely... Provides a lot of comfort. Uh, in summary, Progress essentially said that yes, Paul Robinson um, had worked the tapings. Yes, 
he had passed their background checks um and that yes um it was you know mm. his his decision to leave um progress did say in the statement that yeah, no disclosures were made to them about him they were aware of the allegations um surrounding paul robinson so that answered at least that question even if it wasn't it's usually clear uh in the statement um bottom line there though yeah paul robinson has left progress but it was Paul Robinson's decision to leave, and yes, as we all suspected, they were aware uh, of the allegation uh, around Paul Robinson and speaking out. Um, Paul Robinson himself appeared on the Progress, the new Progress fans group on Facebook, to provide a statement uh, in which he essentially said that you know it was. I don't. I don't think he, he provided much clarity in his statement. If I'm honest, uh, I don't think he really mm. directly addressed the central allegation. Um, the allegation being um, that he. Uh, kissed a 16 year old um but yeah he kind of basically put himself forward as the one who was attempting to bring um the young girl's parents um into knowledge of of what had happened with within ipw uk with her he apologized for some of the ways he spoke to her dad um and that was kind of the end of his statement as well uh, only appeared on the progress fans group the comments did get locked Quite quickly um, after that, um, as conversation started, as it, as it usually would, with uh, people coming from both sides and a, a lot of defenders coming out the woodwork for him, as you could probably expect. And then, yeah, um, that's kind of where this entire shit show of a week has been left. Yeah, lads, thoughts on that, reactions to that. We got a lot out there last week when we talked about it. I think we got our, our anger out. We got some of mm. our disappointments out, but uh, I don't know. I, I kind of came away from this, you know even more disappointed that yep this was as suspected and um, the sequence of events for show one um, of progress's big comeback it was a fucking disaster and obviously last monday we went into a lot of detail about this about why it was the case but it felt like no lessons were ultimately learned and it and it was almost as if the last near year or so certainly like sort of nine, ten months since the first set of um, speaking out allegations happened, in particular for this story, which is which is awful, because it sounds exactly the same as a grooming gang, and that's why it kind of has that real resonance to it, and it isn't something that you can kind of lightheartedly... It's like a lot of people doing the, you know, talking about, like, the age and everything else, and that's why I found weird about his statement, is it's, a, it's more bothered about kind of being mean to the dad, that seems to take more emphasis than kind of what happened with with the girl, and and I, and I just I, I hated that aspect to it. It's the fact he gets to leave on his his own terms suggests that like this is obviously it's it's his decision, it's not theirs, and they would want him to stay there. So it's like okay, so what do you know that none of us know that kind of makes you come to that decision? And it's hard not to feel so like horribly cynical about this this whole endeavor over the past two weeks where they've just got everything wrong. And at this point, like they've got these these kind of shows in the bag. These are the shows that he's worked on. It it just makes you wonder what other kind of like set of standards they're gonna be able to kind of hold to at this stage. It it was just a shit show. I don't know, Gareth. Like struggling to kind of like, kind of get like. In some ways, I'm so fucking tired of them at this point because it feels like it's been such a relentless thing over the last week that I'm at the point where I'm just, I'm, I'm just sick of them. 
Yeah, I mean, I think when that second statement came out on the the twenty fifth, was it? That was on like the the Thursday last week, and I don't know. To me, it just sort of like reaffirmed a lot of what we talked about last week on this show, where we talked about the I don't know the professionalism, their ability to follow you know correct processes, you know, but actually, you know putting things in putting things in, in in place and follow from a to b and make it evidence based and make it inf, you know inf, you know information that they were going to be more transparent about and put in front of people and it feels like it just feel like every statement that progress were then um putting out over the course of the last you know seven days it was almost you know sorry we haven't been good enough sorry we haven't been good enough you know it just, it just feels like quite apologetic and trying to yeah you know we're almost like we haven't done things right and like but now we're saying this and then in the statement that they're saying something else it's it's then like you know causing more issues and it just sort of felt like they're just sort of digging themselves deeper and deeper into into holes at various points and um again i kind of just just sort of feel very similar to you in really that when when that statement came out it was just like here we go again kind of thing and it's yeah let's try it it felt like the sentiment of the statement wasn't necessarily about doing the right thing it felt like the sentiment of the statement was trying to rectify the situation that they'd found themselves in more so than anything and then i think especially when you you know you put on top of things the idea that you know it was paul robinson left of his own accord it wasn't you know you know it wasn't progress wrestling acting on on anything there was you know those statements in there about moving forward there'll be a group made up of talent and crew and like so you're keeping it even more insular kind of thing as well you know it's it's people involved on the inside and it's kind of what feels like it's almost still lacking that independent you know element to it i think by this stage i think the thing that probably you know rubbed me up the wrong way more than anything was that it just almost felt like it was just building up to be this them against us scenario i think by this stage and and i don't know mm-hmm. the the narrative almost felt like maybe not necessarily word for word in that statement but certainly in terms of some of the comments around it and some of the social media activity that was like built on the back of it was almost like these you know troublesome podcasters and fans and you know they're trying to you know we just want to get on with things Mm. and you know you know get back to business and earn a living and these these people are just sort of like putting themselves in the way of that happening and causing trouble and you know and it's like no we're not the problem icons you know we're the ones who are kind of spending you know lots of money with you and um we're the ones kind of like raising these issues because we don't want them to be you know hidden away under the carpet you know we want something to be actively done about it and give us the confidence in the leaders of the industry and you know the the wrestlers in the industry to make us still want to be part of the scene yeah that's it and it's just for me it's just it is it was too little too late and uh, as you said there's going to be people out there who are going to be like ah you know nothing they could have done would make you happy you know nothing they could they, they they they're damned if they do they're damned if they don't but at the end of the day, the, the reason they're in this hole is because they dug it themselves. They 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 dug that hole by, 
you know, continuously putting up a fight uh, when people were asking for, for simple transparency, doing a couple of statements that, that weren't up to scratch, then having to bow to further fan pressure to finally, you know, give the statement that, you know, everyone was asking for and there was no good reason why they couldn't provide in the first place, you know, clarity um, on what Paul Robinson was doing backstage. And then, you know, again, I will I will say, and as we've all said, there are going to be decisions made by promotions that we're not all going to agree with. You know, you look at the Will Ospreay example with RevPro, for example, you know, you struggle to find a, a bigger flashpoint um, during, you know, the post-speaking out world than that story where you do have people with varying opinions on it. The one thing you can say for RevPro is they got, you know, at the very least, and I think I think it looks better and better with time, if I'm brutally honest, you know, whatever you think of, of Andy Quilden, he put himself out there and was willing to answer questions uh, about that willing to explain what his decision-making was, whether you agree with it or not. Um, he was also, you know, this week even, you know, willing to say that he's going to put himself out every, every week to to answer those types of questions. That is one thing, you know, that is that is that is something that Progress hadn't done, you know, this entire run. And I suppose I can take some comfort in the fact that, okay, yes, it took a whole load of time for it to happen, but they did eventually, um, you know, provide that clarity about whether they were using Paul Robinson or not and provide, you know, a bit of detail on their decision making. But, you know, <laughs> you can't hide from the fact that it's extremely alarming that their decision making and that for all their safeguarding, for all the talk in their mission statement that they put on their website, despite all of that, they still thought, show one, it was a good idea to use Paul Robinson. They thought, and I've seen, you know, I know there are wrestlers who feel like this about it, you know, them saying, well, you know, as they said in that in that really, you know, unsatisfactory statement before this one, well, the wrestlers were happy with it, so it's fine. And not really taking into account, you know, the the, the profile of, you know, the unfortunate poor victim in this case, um, the fact that it was a fan. And secondly, you know, even if I want to be, entirely pessimistic about it even if i want to say okay yeah these promotions aren't going to do the right thing they're not going to do the right thing by not using you know people what we were outright named and speaking out in even in backstage roles they didn't even you know from a pr point of view they absolutely miserably failed there too because i don't understand from a pr point of view why knowing the if you absolutely knew the information about paul robinson why you would then go and use him, show one. Why it was so important to use him as the agent of the Thunder Bastard um, or the agent for, for whichever matches he did backstage. Like Even from a purely cynical PR point of view, they failed there too. And it's just, it is just, it's a shit show of the highest order. And yeah, it doesn't surprise me that that shit show got, got even bigger over the last week. Yeah, and I mean, I think when you go back to that, you know, and, and it's it's almost like, Digging, digging holes, you know, like they, they talk about the communications going forward and it's, you know, it's never been our intention to stick our heads, heads in the sand and ignore you, the fans and members of the public. Then, well, why did you? Why did you Why did you ignore it for days? You know, you, you ignored the communications from people on Twitter for days about certain things and there's certain ones that have continued to be ignored subsequently. But then also these are things that were raised during speaking out that, you know, heads heads went in the sand around, and things were ignored, and decisions were made on the back of as well without um, that. I don't know clarity of reasonable, you know, mm. professional thinking about it, and taking you know, it, it almost just comes across as things not necessarily been taken as seriously as they as, as they should have been, and mm. you know, 
again, it's it's not something I personally want to dwell on and go into like ridiculous amounts of depth depth on again. Um, but the, I think the goodwill that's been lost um, has, has, mm. has been heavily lost. And you know, I think um, you, you know, I think I, I think the 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 impact of you know, in an environment where it's important to get things as correct as you possibly can, it feels like it's just <laughs> lumbered on from, you know, mm. wrong decision to wrong decision to wrong word into wrong communication to another wrong decision. And it just like fails over the course of sort of like seven to 10 days. Mm. They've, they've just, they've, they've, they've failed in, in so many instances that, you know, they've even if you take that first instance of you know booking him on the show mm. from that terrible decision, the decisions and you know activities that have come on the back of that have just worsened and worsened. Which again, you're looking to put these building blocks in place to give you trust and confidence in somebody, and mm. you know mm. that's that's not there. No. And that hits upon like one of the the, the really key points you say there is, is this first show is about building blocks. It's about building and developing a scene that has been decimated. Mm. Um, one of which is is obviously down to kind of speaking out and the other one is obviously kind of the amount of people who just aren't remaining wrestling on the scene so you're kind of at this it, this this kind of like kind of base level so you're exp- this is where you say Gareth that all of the things that need to happen mm. need to be organized and structured and done properly show one and in some ways, like then in terms of how the show turns out, it's kind of incidental because what you're thinking is, have you got your good, solid business practices in place? And the thing that I always come back to thinking about this is, is that why is asking for transparency so, so difficult mm. with this? Really, what reason is there? What, like fucking kayfabe? Mm. Like what? What what's what's the reasoning behind this? Like in terms of saying, these are the people working behind the scenes these are the people who are going to be on the card. Like that's, that's hardly like, I, that's not be. Why is that unreasonable? Mm. Why is it met with, with a kind of resistance? And a, because I think part of the problem was, is there was a, there was an abject, like there was a kind of real hostility. There was a real kind of like pushback. Yeah. Um, and you're thinking, why are you trying to turn this into a fight mm. when you've been asked kind of like really nice questions and, and he's sort of, sort of taken on and dragged and got to this point entirely of their own making Mm. ultimately because there's there's fans who aren't able to have the kind of level of cognitive dissonance where they will watch a product and the people performing go they have been accused of some absolutely terrible things to to very credible degrees but i love wrestling so i'm going to switch my head off to it it's just like well we don't work like that people generally regard really in terms of entertainment forms as well and you think of like you might say for example people like say kevin spacey Mm. and people not like you know and kind of effectively not like watching any of his work at all and i think i know for house of cards he had to completely write it rewrite it around that last season with with him not being in it as well but there but there's a reason why people feel like this and what seems really strange about it is it's like this this kind of denial that like why would people feel like this why mm. wouldn't they just be happy to see the wrestling back mm. or you might find kind of levels of what aboutery where like you'd focus on stuff that isn't really necessarily important w- within this as a kind of counterpoint or comeback um and all it does is is that kind of hostility that ends up building kind of a dividing line mm. when all we're asking for ultimately is can we run this 
properly mm. and where all the people who work within it and are involved are safe. Mm. Is that a reasonable thing to say? Mm. And then, and you've said this before, like regard, like what what is the consequence that happens with Paul Robinson? Is he allowed back into wrestling at some point in the future? It's like I don't know, and I, that, I'm not really the person to answer that. And that feels like a like I'm kind of copping out as a result of that, but certainly not at the moment. Mm. Like I don't think that a minimum is an unreasonable th- a, a minimum. Mm. It's like things need to get back on the ground and think and like and there has to be a kind of sense of penance paid, which is not what you see in that statement. Mm. Is and this is probably the Catholic in me coming through. Is you want to see that element of pen- penance? You want to see the idea of okay, yeah. I fucked up massively. This what I did. This is the person who I who I have hurt, who has been hurt in in other ways, much more worse and serious ways by but other wrestlers as well yeah and but there isn't that kind of repentance yeah it's it's like it's it's about like kind of saying sorry because you just want to be forgiven so you can move on with it but there's no like like and 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 i know then we're going into kind of people's motives and other stuff like that but that's that's why yeah well i I mean i was gonna say to that point i think that is that is you know i'm not someone and I, I hate this practice of somebody apologizes for something and people will go through the words and comb through it. And there's no such thing as a perfect apology. It doesn't exist. No. However, I would say, you know, like you've said there, I don't, I don't think it's much to ask or really, I think it's actually, you know what, what it is more, it's more telling that as you've said there, there is nothing in this statement that says we got it wrong as far as the Paul Robinson decision goes. You know, you can tell from reading the statement, they they still think they made the right decision. As James, he said on his great Boots and Trunks podcast, the people, as we've said, mm-hmm. should absolutely check out. There is no reason now from that statement to think, well, there's no reason why Paul Robinson, you know, couldn't come back on show four or five. Paul Robinson would still be working for progress, you know, right now, if he hadn't walked away. There is no real comfort in that statement because there is no acceptance that they made a bad call. It is just, you know, it's very matter of fact. It's very robotic, and it's just very, you know, that's it. You know, it's you know, Paul Robinson chose to left. They don't even, you know, we're going to talk about Marty Scale in a minute, who came into the news as well this week. At the very least, you know, Ring of Honor are run by Sinclair Broadcasting. You know, you want to talk evil megalomaniac corporations? You know, Sinclair Broadcasting will be top of my list. At the very least, in their statement, they had the nous to be like. You know, we've come to a mutual agreement for Marty Scale to leave Ring of Honor. That's not even here. You know, right until the death, it's still no acceptance that they were wrong to make the decision they made. It is still, it was Paul Robinson's choice to leave. That That is what gives me no comfort coming out of this. That is, you know, again, there is no such thing as a perfect apology. But I do think, you know, the things that are missing from that statement and the things that are the tone i suppose of a lot of these statements tells you everything it's just yeah there's no acceptance that they that they got things wrong in in that way and it's just kind of a you know they want this story to go away more than anything yeah and i, th- I think like align to that with in in the tone of, of of these messages and obviously jp talked as well about um i don't know that that touching on that sort of like conflict that's then created and the attitude that like comes between you know the mm. the fans and the wrestlers and, and and to be honest that's for for me that's probably the the thing that's i don't know frustrated me the most in the last week really has been you know the uh, the the support i suppose of of, of wrestlers you know and, and almost been negative towards the fans for having this push when you know 
you know if you if you as a if you are a decent human being pro wrestler and, and and you think if you honestly believe that the fans want to deny you work or deny you a place to work that they want to see the industry burn mm. like you're just either hugely misreading the situation you've been brainwashed by the people on that side of the industry who are um, having their business practices challenged or I don't know. There's just you know, there's there's just nothing nothing to be to, that we can do do for that really. Because at the end of the day, like we don't take positivity in trying to bring an industry down or anything like that. We want mm-hmm. wrestling to go ahead. I love wrestling. Benno loves wrestling. JP mm-hmm. loves wrestling. We're absolutely desperate to be able to go and watch live wrestling again. It's you know, it's it's a, it's a, it's our favorite things. We're literally we are fans. We're fans by definition. You know, it's it's something that we um, it's something that we enjoy. We spend a lot of money doing it. What we don't want to do is spend our hard-earned money mm-hmm. um, going into the pockets of businesses or wrestlers that are outed for abuse or promoters or who are you know turning a blind eye to certain things or not following through you know due process because of i don't know a lack of care or a lack of desire or a lack of intelligence or whatever it, you know whatever it might be you know mm. like we, we want the scene to thrive but it's, it's it's absolutely got to be on on the right terms and it's absolutely you know it's got to be on the right terms because of everything that happened last year in, in terms of speaking out. If anything, the fans are trying to defend the wrestlers and try and create an environment whereby they have got somewhere to work, they've got somewhere that's safe to work, that they can earn money more in the future. Because if we've got confidence and trust in the promotions and the way that they're operating, we will go and watch you. We will mm. spend our money with you. You know, mm. you will, you know, you'll get bookings, you'll get money in your pocket as a result of that happening, you know. But what we don't want is to be then just, don't know, turning a blind eye to it ourselves and just going, okay, they're they're nearly there, it's all right. They've weeded out a few bad eggs, let's just get on with it and let's just throw a bit more money in there again. Because the last thing I want to feel, and I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast wants to feel, is that in a year's time, two years' time, we're all sat there on Twitter or Facebook or wherever again, and there's more and more stories leaking out because the scene hasn't been cleaned up, because process mm. hasn't been followed, because people haven't thought to care enough to get things right, and they've just tried to rush just to get back to normal, get business back to normal as quickly as possible, just so that we can put on that show, so wrestler A, B, and C can get paid on a Sunday and just get a few quid in their pocket and things things like that. And you know, if 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 if, if you're a wrestler and you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, well, I'm all right, Jack, and yeah, I just want I just want the show back on, and I just want to get paid. Mm. Then you need to fucking have a long hard look at yourself because you know you need to think about what your peers or what some of your peers went through, or some of the fans that went to your shows went through, and um, you know, it's it, if the situation isn't cleaned up to a degree where the hardcore fans, the ones who are literally to multiple shows not just a year, a month, mm. uh, you know, uh, putting the majority of, you know, money through the tills, putting it through merch sales and things like that. They're not going to go. 
And if they don't go to the shows, mm. the shows won't run or there'll be 30 people in the audience. And, and guess who Guess who will be getting blamed then? It'll be the fans' <laughs> fault again. It'll be, mm. oh, the bloody mm. fans, they're not coming, they're not supporting us, you know, they're, you know, they... You know, it's it, it's the fans' fault. Oh, typical. You know that. You know, it, it. You know what can we do? We try to do everything, and it's just going to constantly just be this pointing of the finger back at the, back at the fans. And you know, and at the end of the at, at, at the end of the day, if you put the appropriate action in place and you know take the time to do it properly, we will support you because we fucking want to. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, and it it took it took fan pressure for it to to even to get to this point. You know, it took it took that it took. Unfortunately, you can't, as we said on the last podcast, you can't rely on you know young wrestlers who are getting their first go at a at a potential you know hook up. They're going to be on the WWE network. You know, the potentially you know the potential for them in their career is massive. They're not going to upset the boat, even and they might even write you know might in their mind think they're right in thinking there's no problem with working with a Paul Robinson. But even if they didn't mm-hmm. think it was fine, they're not going to say anything anyway. So it can't be up for the up to them. And it ended up being up to fans to raise this issue. And it's still happening now. I think that's the thing. The the trust is gone because even in the face of this, you know, uh, in the com- in the comments of that, that post from Progress, there's, you know, other allegations out there about them using, you know, people from Hustle's training school um, that have allegedly got allegations out against them that Progress haven't answered. They've been pushed by me and other people on that. Is there is there anything to that story? Again, we're getting that wall of silence, and it just didn't seem it doesn't seem like any lessons to learn whatsoever. Um, and it just seems like to get any bit of transparency out of these companies, they're going to have to be pushed and pushed and pushed by fans. Um, and it just does seem to be mm. the only way that's going to get done. But you know, I was going to say, JP, you know, on the back of that, you know, that that's that's the other thing this week that you think it's bad enough you know that the whole paul robinson surrounding progress story and then in the same week new japan uh, uh you know it is rumored or at least fightful make a report saying oh my the, the the belief is marley scale is backstage at new japan strong we don't know the extent he's been used but he's there then emily pratt does some great reporting finds you know a source with knowledge of the matter who reports that yes marty scale is used by by new japan yes he's in an angle with office member uh rocky romero allegedly and that's happening too like what what is it about this week is it like you know speaking out is long enough ago you know the pandemic is hopefully you know coming to an end therefore it's time to just bring everybody back like it is. It's just. It's so disheartening for this all to be coming at the same time as a fan, and it just. Yeah, it, it, you can't help but be made angry by it. Really, that it's that it's. This is. I suppose this is always the way it was going to go. It feels that way, certainly with New Japan. Mm. I had little to no faith in mm. New Japan against mm. Pete, Partic- unless it was a Japanese wrestler, mm. and it was an incident that happened in Japan. Mm. I think that is the way that they would react to fan pressure. Mm. I think outside of that, to be honest, they don't care. Mm. Just say it as it is. They don't care. Mm. And I don't think they care about Marty Scale at all. And if you think of the things that he has admitted to doing as well, mm-hmm. and again, the, the circumstances in which those took place, that's incredible. But then he's not the only wrestler that they've used with credible allegations and just basically completely stonewalled it and just decided that I'm just ignoring it. I'm not going to, that they're not going to react to it. Mm. Um, they really don't care. 
and and that's the thing is this is you know sometimes i think it's easy for us to think of kind of like rebellious new japan produced the, the kind of great match factory and i'll talk about things about new japan that i like mm. but again when we speak about cognitive dissonance and i think i i'm part of that as well like new japan very much fall into that category mm. they don't look at like kind of wrestling here and 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 and, and they look at the marty skirl allegation because you said this before mm. the legal age of consent in japan is 13 yeah which isn't obscene sentence in and of itself yes and it, like and it and that's just i mean it's just fucking insane that in the first place but it might give an idea as like why they might just think this is a non-story yeah noisy twitter fans it doesn't affect their native base it won't in get out in the japanese press it's far enough away so then why should they care mm. yeah I mean, there are certain stories that are the things like they can't go around. And if you think about it, like I can remember a time when Taichi was suspended for having an affair and that became public. Oh, yeah. Sakura yeah. story. Yeah. And these are like kind of like you hear these very weird stories and, it, and it's, but I think when it comes to this, superstars just don't give a shit. And this is the kind of stuff where like you just think, fucking hell. Like, there really isn't any boundaries. I mean, I don't have a lot of faith. I mean, I think it's really diff- it, it's it's difficult because you say we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing. I don't know if the people that we're pushing are willing to be pushed in the direction we really want to. We want them to go in. And if you think of what we're asking for, it's not perfection. It's safe, standard practice across the board. So shows can be good and enjoyable and safe and people will want to work them and we'll want to support them. And if that's the case, then they'll build up and they'll grow. Like Gareth said, like, you know, it's not in any of our interest for this to do this, but fucking hell, like Marty Skull. And then unfortunately once like it feels if Marty Skull, it does get hired and I have no faith that I'll cut him out of new Japan strong, like none whatsoever. I think that's exactly what they're going to do. And then I think they'll get him over to Japan and that's where he'll be. And he'll be based there for however long, if that's the case, and and do his and do his work there, because I don't think they care, and it kind of relies on us then to kind of well, how do we feel about this? Is this the point where then you vote and you say right, well, I'm not subscribing to New Japan World if that's the case, because like what what other ways like because again, I think when it came to any com- complaints that they got as well, there was like a kind of resentment that. that Japanese fans were being told about it from from America from like kind of Western fans, mm. and there was a kind of hostility going back and forth about that. I might be wrong in that in terms of the story, but yeah, it's just an absolute. It's a, it's it's a it's an, it's an absolute shit show. It is. It is. And yeah, and I don't think you know. I want to put a bow on it and say that you know, but you know, like Jane, like again, I'm gonna. I probably plug this a million times. You know, again, go out and listen to the Boots and Trunks podcast because it puts this better yeah. than that. You know, than, than anyone I've seen out there has. There is no nice tight little bow you can put on this and say, you know, but let's hope this. Let's do this. That is. This is just kind of. These are our cards, really. This is how it is probably going to be. Um, yeah, I think unless promotions get really, really pushed and, you know, fans can vote with their wallets and fans can not support, you know, choose to support Progress anymore or not choose to support New Japan anymore. Um, aside from that, 
you kind of left a bit powerless, and that's what that's what makes you know both of these stories coming in the same week feel really sad. You know, even on the progress front, you know, people people are trying to push back on you know that, that those allegations about the hustle trainees, and you know, there's there's a load of young hustle wrestlers bullying a fifteen year old fan, or you know, on Twitter over it. You know, because because they're, they're just trying to pop each other in their group chat. Like, uh, if that doesn't tell you, like, what an immature, you know, world this is, yeah. and how, what an unprofessional world it is, and you know, Sarah made some good points about that in our, our live mm. hangout on Saturday, um, about uh, you know about how unprofessional wrestling is compared to, to to you know to the real world. Um, yeah, there isn't there isn't a, a huge amount um, to be hopeful there about. No, and I think as well, like when you refer to things like New Japan and obviously WWE, have you know got people signed to them currently as well that were mm. named in speaking out and things like that. And yeah. you kind of, I don't know, I suppose they're areas where I don't know. You feel like you've got no power. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're so they're, they're so big that you know, you know, you, the, the actions there they're in your own hands. You choose not to subscribe or, or whatever, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, those worlds will just keep rolling on and things like that. Whereas for British wrestling mm-hmm. at a localized level, it is something that you do have an element of power over as well, and you can make that more discerning choice. And um, you know, if there's people and they, you know, they they you know they just want to wash over it, and you know, then you don't support them, and then you know, hopefully. If what we see is we'll see some better prepared, more professional mindset promotions pop up that you do feel, yeah, you know, these are the guys that we that we that we do want to support and we do want to give our give our money to. And we can, you know, you know, and we can we can move on with those because, you know, quite you know, quite frankly, you know, I'm 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 in no rush to be going out and I'm as desperate as I am to watch live wrestling. I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in no rush to just go and support promotions just because they're there kind of thing and then and then i'm pretty certain you know from conversations that we've had comments that we've seen there's countless hundreds other people you only have to look at the numbers that are that are out there on social media and things like that you know the reaction to some of these progress statements and things like that and they're not going to be going either and you know then you know then then it comes down to then yeah, you have got the element of power that you can you can decide who you want to support, and then if you're happy and content that within your British wrestling bubble you can support somebody who is trying to do things mm-hmm. the right way, mm-hmm. is facing up to things, is accountable, is booking people that they you know should be booking, is you know are not booking people they shouldn't, they're giving you the right information and things like that. It kind of feels like that's all you can do, and you know, if you if you look at this in a business sense, if you're a businessman, if you're a promoter, mm. why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want your business to be as effective as it possibly can by cleaning things up as much as possible, being as open as possible, being as transparent with the fans as possible, and ensuring that these people who are out there do want to come and support your product again and you know come back to you and you know there's certain people who do appear to be you know they've made mistakes and they will make mistakes but they do there's people who do appear to be listening and they have got a bit more of an open door Mm. policy and they are willing to evolve the way that they're you know you know putting processes in place or the decisions that they make and there's some that have clearly got a path set out in their own heads about the way that they want to 
progress going forwards. And you know, that you know, they're the ones who, you know, from my perspective, I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to be seeing the same level of support that they they've seen in the past, and and the same level of support that certain other promotions who are operating in a much more professional and open way will do. Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, you know, and even even the promotions who are saying the right things, you've got to hold them to account as well. You know, you know, Red Broken can can do their Q and A, and Andy Quilden came across very well. Even positively spoke about our podcast last week, but if he then uses Marty Scale on his shows coming up, you're gonna to have to hold them to account for that, and people are gonna to have to make draw their own lines, mm-hmm. understand, and make their own decision because there's there's every possibility of that. Um, so yeah, there's no no good guys or bad guys here, and I think hopefully if we've learned anything in these last these last few weeks, uh, I suppose there are bad guys, but you know there's no good guys here. But if we've learned anything in these last few weeks, it's just yeah, we've got to got to hold all of these companies to account, no matter our own previous feelings on them. Mm. People, um, are, people are going to people are going to make bad decisions. They, mm. that people are going to make wrong decisions. That's but true. as long as yeah. and, and that's something that we just have to accept. Every, everyone's not going to get everything totally one hundred percent every single time. It's just mm. it's just not the way the world works. It, it doesn't happen in any facet of life. But as as long as when those situations you know do happen, they listen, they mm. face up to it, they look mm. accountable, they look like they've actually you know you, you know there's there's thinking behind it to improve things in a you know a positive way Mm -hmm. then that's when you've got to start to give people a bit more leeway and a bit more Mm -hmm. you know benefit of the doubt is is where they are you know they are taking that on taking that on board and you know again that's that that's all that's all we can do indeed um i mean i I don't know there's no clean way of doing this um i'm pretty sure you know all the rest of them are going to talk talk about today is you know there are there are issues no matter where you go. That is unfortunately wrestling in 2021. Um, you know, it was week two in the face of all of this horrific, this horrific snowball of a news story that wouldn't go away and got worse and worse. Um, Progress did put their second show up on the WWE wow. Network in the midst of all this. I know you, you Gareth, have, uh, have, have chosen not to watch it. JP, did you see any of it? Um, you know, c- considering all of this, oh. this murder, you know, is, is it, mm. it, you know, is it worth it? Yeah, that is my that's kind of my thoughts. No, no. Not this version, no. No. No, it isn't. No. Um I've never seen a company more look like a shell of itself. And yeah. I might be possibly including the WWE relaunch of ECW mm. in that. Um it was fucking desperate. Mm. Um and I think it's kind of how I how I end up feeling about this is is that it's like the way it's been produced. Mm. And the, the the overall production of this, mm. it feels like a lot of people are set up to fail mm. and put into roles, like basically you know, like the expression putting square pegs into round holes. Mm. So you're thinking like, oh, you know, Jim would do a spiel at the start of the match. Well, Roy Johnson can do it instead. Mm. And these are the kind of commentators we're going to do. We're going to have them do what Glenn does and do a lot of sort of shouting. And it's, it's, it's just really bad. I mean, it's regressed. It's awful as as a product. I watched the f- like the first episode and a half, <laughs> and I, I was finding it really, really difficult. And the thing about this is, is for commentators to not be doing particularly to not to not be great. I, look, I'd be fucking. I'd be abysmal. I imagine as a commentator, mm. but 
at the same time, it's also about how they're produced and what they're, they're kind of told to say, mm. in essence, if there are things like agenting going on. So you imagine that that is the case. They're kind of set up to fail mm. because they're being asked to produce things. And, and this is where I kind of get from it. It's like it's being made not to appeal to what would be a progress audience, it's being made to appeal to a WWE audience. Mm. So it's incredibly saccharine in its presentation. And what you've got is an environment that is really lifeless mm. just the way it's set up and it's decorated and you know you know and in some ways it's very like there are a lot of similarities with how the rev pro show is produced but there are things with this that it's just sort of like fundamentally missing across the board mm. and there's a real juxtaposition between these kind of very poorly filmed matches and sort of shoddy production and the kind of sh like shiny NXT UK style promo package that they throw in there as well. Yeah, yeah. I didn't enjoy well, this I at all. And it's and it's not to say that there's like the wrestling itself is okay. Much in the same way, I think that lots of the Rev Pro Epic Encounter shows have been okay. But I was even I was so underwhelmed by these. It is it, to me. It is the biggest. It is the biggest example of the fact that, I mean, Brit Res was already on its arse before speaking out and before the pandemic. I watched mm. this show and it just, it made me realise that I I can point out all the flaws with this, but I can pretty much, I mean, for me, this is not a product that needs to be seen by anybody worldwide. Mm. This is, this doesn't work on any level. Like for me, like obviously there are bigger reasons why you shouldn't watch you know why why people may not watch and, and will feel uncomfortable watching progress that we've kind of covered already you know they're the important things they're the important matters but even just taking as a product itself as you said there there's no there's no reason for it to exist there's no there is no energy to this product there is no None. agency behind it it's like for me and as i said this when i was you know tweeting along watching it last night it's like for me there's no there's just the people what the people who've put this product together feel like they, they couldn't have possibly watched any of the good NT arena wrestling and taken any any lessons from it. Because like you said, it is completely devoid of atmosphere. It's dead. There's no there's just you know, you've got Roy Johnson, as you mentioned, doing doing budget Jim Smallman. And I'm sorry, this isn't me having a go at Roy Johnson. He's been put in a in a thankless position. He's still a wrestler, I believe, because he's stood out there in his wrestling gear. But he's been put in a position where, like you said, he's gonna fail. Of course he is, because you know mm. he can't be Jim Smallman. And it's worse because this is there's been two of these shows now, and all he really does is he's out there drawing attention to the fact that there's no atmosphere. It is just it makes it it's just the dregs of you know it it is. It is people being that sums it up as you said there. People being put in positions to fail, and it's not their fault. And I'm not having a go at the wrestlers either. I'm not even. I've got things to say about the commentators, but I'm not even personally trying to have a go at them. You know, they are mm. they're out of their depth. They're completely out of the depth. You know, they are they are me and you doing commentary, mate. Like that's that that's the level we're yeah. dealing with here. They're, you know, a big move happens, and they're like, "Wow, oh my god, oh I've never seen that before." And it's like a moonsault, or it's a cutter, or something. They don't know what doing and they've been put in a position to be the commentators for what is allegedly the biggest wrestling company in europe like and they've got no chance that the, the, the drowning out there and all of that 
and really primarily the fact that the fact that even this is attempting to be progress is the problem the fact that we've even got someone out there pretending mm. to be jim smallman like you say the fact that we've got these commentators out there the fact they're still doing the quirky names they're still doing the quick oh we're still they're still doing the chapters even you know all of that that history it comes with weight and it comes with significance but as we talked about you know in our patreon podcast at the weekend it comes it comes with a history that you know for everything bad you can say about that history and there's lots of it the dwarfs what these poor men and women are going to be able to produce on these shows because even when the wrestling's good and chris ridgeway um and karen Awar was a was a good match you know the, the young guns mm. had the match that i was hoping you know rep pro really should have booked them against each other but you know progress did the right thing put them against each other the lads went out there and worked the hardest and tried to have a good match but there's only so much you can do when the fucking ghosts of progress past are shooting out at the screen at you from every direction from the presentation to the commentary to roy johnson trying to be jim smallman it is just everywhere and what it does instead of and, and this goes along with the whole you know trying to revamp progress in the first place which is you know as the chat just said flogging a de- dead horse that's exactly what it is it, it is if this was a new promotion you might you might you know cut it some slack if this was, to be honest, these lineups on these shows, and it is not, again, I am not having a go at the individual wrestlers themselves, but these are wrestlers who, and these are cards that would look strong for Tidal. They'd look strong for Breed Future or Shock. Future Shock or, you know, mm. maybe Riptide. But to be honest, I would say this would be a, a, a weak-looking Riptide lineup. But, that you know, that for those shows, that might be one thing. But when you attach the weight of progress, both the positive and all of these negatives to it, those poor women and women mm. working these shows haven't got a chance. It just so from that point of view, it doesn't meet the standard of, of what progress was, but it also doesn't even meet that minimum standard of what, like you say, a tidal or a future shock do. They put on better shows than this. Because uh, you know, there's something Riptide, for example, you know, for all their faults, they're putting on, you know, these young women men and women, these broken toys, as I've said in the past, and putting their own spin on it and doing something new. This is just rehashing an old idea and making, you know, all of those poor young wrestlers, and they are young wrestlers who aren't quite the finished package yet look even worse it's just it's exposing of what Brit Ress is really in, in 2021 and and on that i mean obviously I, I can't comment on the the matches or the shows themselves because you know i've chosen chosen not to watch them but it kind of comes back to that point i made on here a couple of weeks ago is that the progress wrestling that we all watched a lot of people loved that became the most important wrestling promotion or one of the most important wrestling promotions in the country and had significance in the world is dead that doesn't exist anymore it is just a name and when we did that rise and pro rise and fall of progress um episode the other day what we talked about was that the the main positive of progress was that experience it was it wasn't necessarily the storylines and the booking and things like that it's, it's what progress felt like it stood for in your experience of going going to a show and you can't that that's well for one it's certainly something that you can't create recreate in an, an empty arena but it's not something that you can recreate when essentially all of the components that formed that promotion have mm-hmm. all been stripped away absolutely everything that made progress has just gone completely whether it's certain members of staff whether it's certain levels of wrestlers that were involved whether it's the experience that's there 
events because of the the fan base and things like that. All of that's all of that is has gone, and what you're left with now is some good young wrestlers, you know, who yeah, like you say, Ben, in a different promotion on a different day is a is a is a cracking lineup, but it's not progress, and it's never going to be progress. And the progress that um, got to that level just you know just doesn't exist anymore and in many ways it feels to me something like i don't know it feels like the awa when mm. after vince had stripped everything away and then they were left just Vern Gagne still trying to run shows and cobble together something to still have this um entity or identity and almost sort of with blind faith believing that it could still operate and, and and be as credible and operate on the level that it that it did during its its heyday and the, the the glory days of years gone by. When quite all that ended up happening was he just ended up burning money up against the wall, trying to trying to hang on to the to the past and and, and what had gone before. And this mm. this you know this this just you know feels similar to me. I would never ever deny the wrestlers that are on there the opportunity to be working these shows or to be missing out on this opportunity or anything like that because like you know as a fan i'm personally delighted for them to 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 get put in that place but yeah the uh it's a it's a heavy weight that um hangs over them and um you know it's 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 you know it's it's arguably an unfair weight that that hangs over them as well it is yeah and I, i i think what's scary from a kind of wrestling perspective almost is is that what these cards would need are just some solid experience undercard workers there's fuck all of them about yeah like and that's the kind of level of devastation where i i was watching this thinking i'd love it if robbie x was on it like and i'm not saying like and robbie x is a really good worker who like is not going to be like your main eventer on shows, but my God, he would have kind of like kind of stood out. They just don't have those. And Mm. it's kind of partly because as a result of progress that it doesn't exist, that they're not in place. There's this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that goes on at the same time. Mm. And so it's, it's yeah, it's so dead. Um, How much of the show did you see, JP? Where did you get to? I so I got up to Luke Jacobs versus Ethan Allen. I watched that. Love those lads and made up again this opportunity despite all of the black card around it. I feel like same way about Warren Banks. Mm. I saw Warren Banks at United Wrestling, and he was like one of the 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 bright stars on that. It was like I clearly got something himself about him. And that's it. It's not like, and, and I, but I didn't see beyond that. I, I mean, like, but would any of them, seeing... even then though, JP, would any of them sniff a progress show in 2016? No. Unless they're in like no. your Jack Sexsmith role or a very specific role. Oh, yeah. Sorry to name him, um, but you know, any you know a specific undercard role. You know, then they're not they're not getting a prominent spot on these shows. You know, like yeah. Big John's do it every time. Big Guns Joe, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, is is never. You know, isn't scratching a progress show in the, at the height of progress? They even even the most even the most head in the sand people who will argue about whether Brit Res is dead or not. I've got to see it at this point. Like you know, you mentioned where you got up to in the show there, JP. Like the bit that stood out for me was when the two Lycosses came out. I don't know. I know there's a segment of the the fan base that that were made up the kid Lycosses back wrestling. You know, there's probably a few of them in our chat right now. Cool, but really that match. And you know, the 
not even just that match, you know, the fact that Chuck Mambo is in a in a serious role, the fact that, you know, you've got fucking put the put the poor bloke kind of, you know, took a whole bunch of, of grief last week when it wasn't his fault. But you know, Gene Money, for example, is in a prominent mm. you know spot on the on these progress shows. It just tells you what Brit Res is now. Cause, you know, it's it was already happening before the pandemic and before speaking out and before mm. everything else. The the Tuesday night raps, Sheldon Freud and Friends type wrestlers, as Joe would have always said, the meme wrestlers were dominating live shows for Brit Res, like absolutely dominating it. And it was they 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 are what is left. And and it, it hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks watching this. That this is actually, you know, it, the same happened with Rev Pro because I don't, you know, I don't particularly think that the, the latest few Rev Pro shows have been particularly compelling anyway. You know, relatively easy watches. You know, with a low, with a the free shows. So you know, with that low barrier barrier to entry, you know, I can watch them and have a good time. But it's clear as day that the that any kind of despite all the problems I've got with this progress show, any kind of presentation of Brit Res at this point, considering what we have left for good and bad reasons, isn't good enough to be a product that's worth, that is really worth watching on tape at this point, unless you're like one of you're a reviewer, you're a writer, or you're somebody whose job it is to watch this stuff. Because for me, we're back in that, we're back in that position that we were in, in the late 2000s, I, you know, the, the 08, 09, 2010 era, where, yes. Yes, there are great, you know, young prospects. Yes, there are going to be local shows full of these prospects that you have a lower expectation of the quality of that are going to be worthwhile going to and being a live person going to because you happen to live 15 minutes down the road or because you're a knob like us with a podcast. But as far as the rest of the world watching it, there's no reason for them to watch, to watch these shows. There just there isn't that hook anymore. We don't have it. We might have it if you if you can do a big flying show when people are allowed to, you know, COVID kind of subsides and you can fly in half the AEW roster or you can or Rev Pro can fly in half the New Japan roster and do a big York Hall show again. I'm not saying those shows aren't going to draw, but the full-timers that we've got left, and it's, again, not their fault. They're young wrestlers trying to fill big shoes it's just not good enough. We don't we we don't have it anymore. There is there is no Brit Res as a worldwide product that, that people might want to watch anymore. It it doesn't exist anymore. Even even the promotions that do it as well as well as anyone, you know, Riptide present Brit Res better than anyone I've seen. You know, as far as the way the shows look. Mm. But there's all we said that you know we will do somersaults about their shows sometimes when the odd time we happen to talk about them. But I don't seriously think that there's a huge interest out there for that for that product with those young wrestlers on a worldwide basis. I just don't think it's there. So I kind of watch this progress show, JP. As much as I've got valid criticisms about the show, to be honest, no matter what you do, I actually don't even. I don't think the talent is there. I don't think this, there's a scene there that is ripe to be worthy of being on a WWE network and seen by worldwide eyes. I mean, sorry. To that point, to the, to that point, though, as well, Benno, like we're talking about this and we're looking at it from like a COVID environment or a post speaking out environment. It's not as if in the 12 months or 18 months before that, it's not as if in 2019, like Meltzer's talking about progress and talking about, um, you know, Rev Pro outside of like maybe one show. It's not like you're tuning into Voices of Wrestling or Post Wrestling or anything like that and they're talking about the latest, you know, 
chapter 98 or anything like that you know it's it's not just as a consequence of this that that's that, that that's gone away it's a, it's something that's been dwindling for some time as well and you know to the you know to that point that was still when there was talent like your your NXT UK talent being used on progress shows as well, where they were still you know dropping those people in. It was still when there were certain elements of top flying indies and things like that being used on other shows as well. It wasn't been treated as important before all this happened. So to now be presented in this way, where it's even more cold than it was before, and the roster that's available to be used is even more depleted than it was before, then it's it's a million miles away from being on that you know world scene, that important footing that it was felt to be before, and and, and you know I think I think that's it. it. It's just that it's it's not felt that important globally for for, for quite some time, and, mm-hmm. and and we just we're, we're miles away from it now. Absolutely miles away from it. Yeah, that's it. There's one. Oh, go on, JP. Yeah, there's one. No, I was just going to say very quickly. You mentioned that word "scene," and it's really crucial. I think what we mean by that is it was something that we were somewhat nostalgic about. That progress at its heyday. Um, it feels like we're reciting all of the Patreon podcasts on the air again. But I was going to say that with the progress in its heyday it it made you like kind of almost believe there was the chance of that seven days a week industry and that's what we mean by a proper scene like there is in mexico and in japan and what and what happened is is all of that has been absolutely decimated but i think the true depths of it of the decimation have kind of really come through and you really like you talk quite often benno about the kind of tier of wrestlers that have gone Mm. there are so many that are gone that what you're hoping for some of them I hope never come back. I just want to say that you know, there's, yep, there's yep. good and bad reasons why those wrestlers are gone. Oh, absolutely, yep, yep, definitely. But there's the level of decimation means what you're hoping for is prodigies, aren't you? Mm. You're hoping there to be some 22 year old wrestling prodigy who's able to have a big match against a really good import when he can get one import in a show because that's all you can afford, and you're hoping to God they have an absolute belter and get a name from it, mm. like. That's the kind of Hail Mary level passes that we're kind of up to at mm. this point. And I just think we all need to get realistic with it. Mm. And a realistic scene is probably one, you know, a realistic cleaned up scene is, is a scene that you can have, that you would want to support. Mm. It's something that you're willing to give that time and effort to because mm. you realize it's in a rebuilding phase. But then to kind of tie it up around with the the kind of level of discourse that's been been going around, it's very difficult when you don't have that faith. And then you see this product and you just think, God, it's really lifeless. And like you said, Benno, you know, Luke Jacobs and Ethan Allen are, are you know, great. But just in this environment, having seen like Luke Jacobs live in when we went to that future shop for the first time against Chris Ridgway, and it's like, who the fuck is this lad? He's like, what, 17? Jesus Christ. And it becomes really clear how good they are. New lads were at Tetsujin as well for the third one where they where they had their match. Mm-hmm. Just seeing them in this kind of environment, it just makes you think, my God, like, like if we're relying on a couple of 18-year-olds, mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, God, if my the entire season for Arsenal hinges on Bukayo Saka fucking <laughs> turning in world's greatest player in order to to like win the league it's like well i'd love that to happen but that's not likely that that isn't happening and it just feels like that's the position that we're in at the moment 
and JP there where you talk about, you know, we're almost like waiting, for, you know, you've got this unrealistic scenario of, okay, you're hoping that you've just got this young prodigy who can step up to that level and perform at that level. Mm. And if that person was there, what's going to happen to them? They're going to be doing fucking hip tosses in a gym in Enfield in two months anyway, because they're just going to get signed up immediately and we, they'll, they'll just get lost to the scene anyway. So it's, again, it's, it's almost like you say, you know, there before, like the, the self-fulfilling prophecy almost kind of thing. Now, any green shoots that come through um, to try and kick Brit Res on and have, you know, put that base in place for us to build off the back of, they're just going to fucking disappear as soon as they've, they've arrived anyway. So, like, <laughs> again, you know, yourself. Heart goes out <laughs> to anyone who's trying to be a wrestling promoter in this in this environment. I know we've got one or two in the chat as well. Like, it, it's you've got an uphill battle, haven't you, Gareth? Because, like, even, even if... You know, when Ethan Allen or Luke Jacobs gets hot in your promotion, you know, even if you, you you go and try and push with a new hand or try and get a Warren Banks over, there's every chance you're not going to be able to use him again in a couple of weeks. You know, Quilden joked about that on his podcast. He's, you know, someone asked him about, sorry, it was on his YouTube video, you know, how do you go about making new stars? And he's like, yeah, you know, you you try and get somebody over and then, you know, WWE will probably sweep in and sign him anyway. So you know, then we move on to the next one. Um, there's that problem too, isn't there? Um I'd, yeah, that it. There's just there's just so much a player. There's so much working against any of these, and I know they're good people trying to do good work mm. and 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 make something, you know, out of the ashes of the Brit Res scene in 2021, especially after the last year we've had. But God, that is a that is a real uphill struggle. Um, I was going to say briefly, you know, if you are. Somebody wants to go out there and support, you know, the young men and women who are on this progress show and hold your noses to the rest of the stuff that that, that went on. From a grapple point of view, you know, I, I gave a couple of threw us a couple of star ratings out. Three point two five for Karen Noir and Chris Ridge, right? Three for Luke Jacobs and Ethan Allen. That's as bad as good as it gets on those shows. They were genuinely okay matches. Yeah. That if you if you muted it. Um, and you didn't have commentators that were pretending, you know, a a, a, a run of the mill apron bump is the you know the biggest thing they've ever seen in wrestling to the point where one of them sounded like they they, they were going to be in tears about it. Um, you, you might get some entertainment out of that. Other than that, there's not much here. There really isn't. There's you know everything is is as expected. The thunder bastard match is a complete mess. Um, overbooked nonsense as as is most of the thunder bastard matches to be honest. Um, all built around you know hell surprise. All built around a big angle. Um. Yeah, but you know, just what, what was the big angle? Oh, the the, the big the big angle is that uh, in the in the in this match where you know it's kind of built like a built like a rumble, isn't it? The idea is that you're gonna have you know yeah. you get you gonna you're gonna have all of these people you know clashing together and and it, and it being like a you know a spectacle getting all these people in. One half of the eliminations happen before everyone had even got in the ring. I hate that thunder bastard trope that they do. And two, yeah, they try to build this angle around Giselle Shaw and Kanji Mercedes um, Blaze and uh, Tayonga, where it was basically um, she'd already won her title shot, therefore she came in the match and just just basically used the weapon and got disqualified right away. Um, and that and that was the we're telling stories, JP. We're doing moments. Uh, that was the that was the story uh, that they told in the match, and they they kind of basically stopped the match to to do that big angle. Um, at the end of it, they put Kanji over, but at that point, I was ready to claw my own eyes out and throw Mattelli out the out the window <laughs> because I heard one of the commentators refer to uh, a, the potential championship opportunity that somebody in this match was going to get a result 
of it and it had already and lost in... but it was it was it, yeah. it was overbooked over dramatic nonsense rather than a match it, it wasn't good cross-eyed yoda mate yeah with wrestlers, <laughs> wrestlers work again that standard yeah yeah, it's the influence of cross-eyed Yoda, mate. Mm. That's that's what it because it's it's easy. Like I think when making the comparison of, of like, well, what is it that I would say prefer about say the Rev Pro shows compared to this? And I think of like the women's division as being one of the general positives for the first time they've made a focus on it. Mm. Kind of had multiple storylines going on, not just whoever is the champion and they need to defend their title because we have to have a women's title on our shows. Mm. There's actually been reasons for those characters to exist and interact. And that's been generally kind of enjoyable to see. Now, obviously, it probably turns out that a few of them have been signed in the meantime or whatever, but it, at least there was that. Whereas you see a thunder bastard and you're seeing, well, we don't really have any ideas. We're going to throw everyone in together. Mm. And yeah, I don't have any faith for those kind of tropes. And it even came down to like people trying to acknowledge this non-existent crowd that was there. They didn't see any of like, you brought up the point at the very beginning. I think it's absolutely true. It's like there was plenty of opportunity to see what empty arena wrestling was being done around the world, and what was good and what was bad and what were the things to take from it. And instead, it appears to be that some of the things they wanted to take is how WWE wrestled in the performance center, first of all. That's the, the key to take from it, which is basically pretend there's an audience there, wrestle to this to this non-existent audience, rather than, say, focusing on each other in the ring, which at least with Rev Pro, they do that, and you'll have the person on the outside making yeah, noise seconds, and kind yeah. of create. It's about making yeah, noise and creating energy, creating energy and yeah. creating an atmosphere. Yeah, that's what was missing. Something uh, else that kind of listen to. I mean, you referenced in there, like the, the ratings on the app as well, Benno. And one of the things that stood out to me was that we had like three times fewer people rating the second show than rated the, the first show on, on the app. And it's a, I know it's a pocket of people, but it's a pocket of like hardcore wrestling fans. If the number of people using our app had halved in the last week, then you might say, yeah, that's fair enough. And that's consistent. But clearly, you know, two thirds of the people who watched the show last week decided not to tune in again the following week. So that it was that novelty of it was the new project progress show. And then there was nothing there that hooked people to, to then turn in the, in, in the in following week. And it's a, it's a sample size of wrestling fans there that I think is a, is an indicator. I mean, you opened, you, you know, I'm just opening cage match even and looking on there too. There was like six votes for it last week, chapter 104, no votes for it this week. So it's a, it's a smaller number of people rating it on like cage match than on here. But it's, again, it's the same situation, literally, you know, <laughs> nobody, you know, nobody rating the most recent. So, so it's, so it's, it shows how poorly it's failed in making people want to re-engage the following week as well, which you know again is a is a is a problem when you took when you're yeah. not only trying to build something up from from the ground again, but when you've got something that's on a platform like the the, the WWE network as well, which is so easily accessible for people. It's not like you're asking people to take out you know. Um, you know, demand progress subscriptions again or something like that. You know, there's still going to be a large amount of app users out there who, who have still got those WWE networks and just decided, you know, decided not to watch. 
Yeah, and that and a part of that's probably the product part of that's I'm sure is the 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 cloud over them because of all this news. But it kind it kind of all go, goes together. Um, and yeah, just to tie a bow on it, like we don't even know when they, when they're going to be back, as as Ian has said in the chat. You know, they they rush these two these two chapters out the second chapter like i say roy johnson at the top of the show was talking about oh it'd been a few weeks since the last one no it hadn't eight it was last saturday um you know i wonder is there any story there with you know the fact that you know there is a a major change coming to wwe network soon i wonder why those shows were where uh were rushed out though that like ian said they did said they did say they were going to be back they, they, they just didn't say when um and yeah you know I, I don't know i can't see who's got an appetite to watch this stuff because you know as will has said in the chat you know this is a real star struggle you know with no fans wrestling imagine trying to build a build a promotion like this and start something up new in in an atmosphere like the one that they provided to it you know put mm. as, a, as ben said in the chat put wrestlers like big guns joe out there got it right that time um doing his character and trying to get that over with, with no fans it was just it was it was headed for failure, um, and yeah, we don't even know when the next show is. Um, so I guess we'll see. Um, but we should move on. I uh, spent a, a fair amount of time on that and uh, and all of that stuff. But moving uh, across the ocean now to uh, to maybe talk some some AEW uh, in a big week for AEW uh, with Revolution and uh, coming right down the line next week. Um, I thought a quick plug for for Steph here. She's doing uh, the Lord's work, doing her AEW coverage over on YouTube. You might be able to uh, see me on some of. That in the coming week we did a we did a draft with uh, with SP3 from True Heel Heat and uh, and our mate Andrew Thompson uh, AW versus New Japan Supercards we uh, we all put together our, our own personal choices I feel like my idea of Sting versus Hiroshi Tanahashi that I was too much of a coward to put on my own card was a pretty damn was probably the best uh, suggestion all show but you know watch it see what you guys mm-hmm. think see, see see where you put your cards together that's all going on but it is it's it's Revolution Week and that's why she's doing it and there is a, a little bit of a excitement in the air for aw at the minute and to be honest there's only one place to start when it comes to all of the different things that are swimming around with with aw right now and that's that's the big signing uh of the week lads it's a big show uh the great white paul white he signed for aw we all expected that right surely we knew that was coming yeah what on earth <laughs> what's going on <laughs> like it would have been perfect for the morning update i'll be honest with you like it's the kind of material that i would like completely thrive on it's been a it's been a difficult kind of week or so to be able to do that mm. but jesus christ like i didn't see that coming at all <laughs> it's fascinating mm. because i think as we said on the weekend preview show that we thought this was going to be like mm. uh, he was going to be a lifer mm. that's where he was going to stay mm. um there was no real reason for him to go. He could come back to a couple of nostalgia appearances, things mm. of that nature, but it didn't need to be anything. Um, you know, he wouldn't be excessive, but effectively he'd sort of go into the kind of foreground and turn up for that battle Royal at WrestleMania and stuff like that. I think this is a fascinating move in a number of ways. One is the kind of area of intent that people are willing to leave. The fact that WWE could offer them really anything they wanted to in order to keep him sees that possibly they don't value him as much as maybe he values himself. And I think there's a couple of unique selling points for him. One, if you use him as a as a as a an attraction, a la Andre, and you have him in there with say like a Will Hobbs in there as like one of his kind of first matches, and, and nowhere near the title scene, you don't need that. That's not something that's essential. You can keep him away from that as an attraction. I think there is 
a value to that for the for a for a casual fan, particularly those kind of lapsed fans who have disappeared over. I think there is an inherent value in that. Him doing commentary, I find fascinating because I think the potential for him as an actor is there. Now, I never watched the Big Show show, and I never will. However, oh, you missed like, that it, well, coming soon. did I? No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. But he does have something about him. Like, maybe I'm basing all this on a Jingle All The Way cameo. I don't know. But... Like there is something definitely there about him from a kind of personality point of view. I find this commentary decision quite weird because he's going to be commentating a lot on, frankly, indie wrestlers. This is an Excalibur role, not a pull, not a big show role. I, him being a good commentator, I I think so. I think he obviously has been involved in wrestling for long enough, so he understand the fundamental role of the commentator. Plus, he's got a good natural wit to him. Which is which is there's a lot to be kind of said for that. I so I think there's value. I think the first thing you go to is set up the shack thing at some point. Get to that. Want have that big angle coming into the pay per view, like on Saturday. Try and kind of get that audience interest in there for that for that show because people will tune in. There'll be gifts of Shaq and the rest of it from the moment he walks out to how he looks to every kind of movement and facial tick that he does. So getting the big show out there as well is like a kind of a good angle to do at some point. In some ways, the match itself, I've got so such little expectations. And that partly is based on the fact that when they have had a, res- uh, a non-wrestler in recently, it was Snoop Dogg doing that fucking awful, sm- awful splash, which in fairness, he was caned off his nut. So like, good luck to him. I think that's difficult at the best of times. So him doing that, it's not like he tried like a fucking 6.30 or anything like that, is it? <laughs> Um, but I think there is something with this signing that weirdly makes me think they could make it work. Not long, long term, but I think we can get a year to two years out of this. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think like for me, I think it was just that initial surprise because, like you, I just had him down as like total WWE lifer. I thought he was just one of these guys who was just like, like you say, just guaranteed to have that level of income that could just turn up on certain shows five years down the line, 10 years down the line, get a nice payday. You know, he's, he's, he's firmly embedded in that WWE culture for all this time as well. So um, that once that surprise had gone, it made you think, okay, well, you know, like fair play to the lads kind of thing is, is clearly, you know, he's made, he's made quite a bold decision here and he, he quite fancies something new creatively. And, you know, obviously there's, you know, there's going to be like financial aspects in, involved and mm. things like that. But I think the thing that was most positive for me once I kind of like sat back and I thought about it was just the way that AW have used other more established talent and the way that that's, that's worked. So, you know, say for example, you know, take Chris Jericho and, you know, again, I've raised on here in the past, like you look at the people that he's worked with and it's 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 all new guys it's all fresh guys the guys he's surrounded himself with in the um in the inner circle you know is the matches is hard with like you know orange cassidy and um you know the stuff that he did with sugar duncan and things like that and then you know at a, at a you know wider level of you know other just other matches of uh, that have gone along the way he's very very rarely been put in a position where he's working with some other established talent and the same 
sort of applies with Sting as well, really. If you if you look at Sting, he's brought in there, and it's with the the team Taz uh, guys, and it's you know alongside Darby Allen as well. So it's they, they they've got sort of two great examples there of using somebody who's got a very big name and in the wrestling scene, and pairing them with younger talent to try and give them a bit more exposure, and um, ultimately try and raise the profile of several people by giving them that rub off the big star um which mm. again you mentioned will hobbs there you know i'm you know i was thinking about that i was thinking about wardlow i was thinking about luchasaurus and things like that you know there's there's plenty of guys there that they can throw in with and um okay it might not necessarily be the the best match in the world but you've got the confidence that mm. they're going to use him as a as a mechanism to to get um, this younger talent over, give them more exposure to a, a wider audience, demonstrate their talents, and ultimately create their own stars. Because like, if you think about the way Sting's been used with the, with those guys that are referenced there, like what did WWE do with them? Put him in a ring with Triple H, so Triple H gets to you know get that one win over the um, over the, the the WCW guy. Oh, like and people say you know big surprise, like they've not they've not made any stars for years, and they're always having to you know lean back on this old talent. And you look at people who are on that elimination chamber show, and it's people who've been around for for ten years. Imagine if Sting had been brought in at that time to like I had who was on the fucking main roster at that point, but put Ricochet over, you know, work with Ricochet in the same way he's done with Darby Allen, or work with mm. you know some other talent who's coming through from NXT at that time. Like you could could actually book things more effectively and do it as wrestling has always, you know, has always been done. Use the old guys who are stars to create new ones. And, you know, and AEW's track record so far for me suggests actually they'll turn this into a positive and um, th- th- a lot of the uh, negativity that's out there will probably be quickly blown away. I hope so. Because I'll be honest, I'm one of the negative people. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm I sorry. Like, I, I don't think you can put a positive spin on using Big Show and Ring. Like, I've just, maybe I'm just burnt from years of WWE and that. Remember that rumble where him and Kane put their kid gloves on and just were gently dropping people over the top rope? That was fucking eight years ago. Um, I'm not saying there's not, you know, we do a one-off. Yeah, I think I think the way I've, I've seen it put by a few people now, so it's not an original idea, but you do that angle where, you know, someone winds up the commentator and he stands up and he gets that big pop for standing up to, yeah. for the baby face or whatever, and you do a quick angle. I think there's money. There's some money in that. I, I think they've, what they've got right about it, imagine. Remember the first Dynamite? When they had this big surprise at the end of the first Dynamite, what was it? It's fucking Jack Swagger. Like, you, you, you don't want that. You don't want that feeling of like, oh, we're announcing Big Show as a wrestler. I think the way they've done it, announcing him as a commentator and going, and he might, mm. he might wrestle as well. They've handled it well from a from a PR point of view. Um, I don't know. I, I can't say I, I'm, I'm excited for the, the return of the great white Paul White to uh, to television. But I, to be honest, the, the, the mischievous part of me does enjoy the fact that AEW have gone in there and grabbed a WWE lifer and put and got him out of WWE and got him over because you know that annoys the people over at AEW. So maybe sorry, people over at WWE. So maybe I'll take it from that point of view at least. Oh, definitely. That's definitely part of it with me. There's the idea of people being willing to jump. And I just think there's a symbolic importance to that. Because if this works, there is going to be those people who've been around a long time going, actually, I've got a chance of a good nostalgia run, plus I get to keep all that third-party stuff, which is so much more important. Once he does his Twitch stream and his podcast and the rest of it, and he'll be doing all right, and he'll just think, hang on a minute, this is really good. Now, 
will there be things that I regularly watch and listen to? No, but that goes for the bigger, broader kind of wrestling fan base that's out there. Um, you know, we spoke about a story involving Matt Cardona making loads of money on his podcast for mm. like, which, you know, just to split it three ways. And that's fucking wild when you think about it. So like, this is something they can do. I mean, I just think like you look at Will Hobbs, you want to call him powerhouse Hobbs. How do you demonstrate? You have him calling out the big show. The big show doesn't move and eventually he gets up, but he's the first person who does not just a body slam. Let's see if he can do like a running power slam. Something along those lines. Someone like Lesnar has done. Mm. And you do that and get him over. And then you build to that kind of big match between them as well. I think in that point in time, like, Mm. he recognises that he can do that with a few people. And they've got, like, they've got a good collection of monsters. Like, I mean, you mentioned about Sting. I think Brian Cage got a lot from doing that powerbomb on Sting. Mm -hmm. Like, he really did. And Brian Cage is someone I've been kind of, like, slightly hot and cold with. Because depending on who's who he's in there with will depend really on whether or not he has a good match. And there's people he just it seems to click with and it works and he looks great. But in that, he looked like a bit of a killer. It's the way he delivered that powerbomb, even though he actually was quite canny and released him quite low. So he wasn't like kind of going out of his way. And I, I really took something from that 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 I kind of enjoyed it. And it meant that when there was the beatdown this week, I was like, ah, oh, okay, this is this is that it got me more interested these last two kind of week segments in that feud than I really have been. And Darby on the zip line, like that's like again, that was so great, you know, it's, that was great. What would have been best if he'd just gone in and just sort of hit Ricky Starks? If Ricky Starks had managed to get into exactly the right place, so he kicked him and then unbuckled himself and hit Cage with the, the thing on that, then it would have been just like the most glorious sort of gifable moment. Anyway. Yeah, I just thought that whole that whole sequence was great. Like I think when the um when the you know they, they showed that video and it was like Darby getting pulled behind the body bag and then you know like coming out, it was almost like Lynchian or something like that. I mm. thought it was like the, the the soundtrack that they had playing over it as well. It was almost like you know a Julie Cruz song in Twin Peaks or something like that, the way it was and then he, he comes out like uh, with that smile you're seeing Darby smile the, the the way the way he was having been like you know pulled in that body bag and then obviously you, you know then everything that went on in the in the ring afterwards I just I just thought it was class and then just to see like um, just see you know Stinger land the the the, the Stinger splash and you know the Scorpion death drop and you know like you say with the you know building on the cage stuff and you know just reiterating that point really around using a guy like Sting to make somebody who's a new fresh talent look even better than people perceive them to be in the in in the, in the first place that, that that's just like totally a situation where the new guys come out looking better. And you've used you've used the the veteran talent in the in, in in the right way, and the way they've done this over the last two weeks, I am hyped for that match. I'm so, like I was I was you know I've gone from been pleased to see Sting and like that nostalgia of seeing Sting turn up every week that I'm actually really looking forward to see the match that they put together now as well, which you know. For Sting in the age years, it's it's quite uh, quite phenomenal, really, that they've they've got to that stage with that one. But it's been it's uh, I think it's been booked to perfection the way they've they've brought all this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I would say like this was a it wasn't just that that bit because I love that. welcome to I Jason Powell's Pro. Fix that. I absolutely love that, and it was like you got 
you got that big angle, but this dynamite was maybe maybe there was too much of it. I would say maybe it got a little bit repetitive with a couple of the angles kind of seeming a little bit similar to one another. But this was one of those dynamites where you go in and the match card was pretty pretty weak looking, you know, by dynamite standards. Um, there was nothing in there that jumped out as like a big match. It was one of those tape shows that is always a rough watch for me. I, I can't start. I think the the AEW version of the SmackDown pot. We're going to need to come up with a term for that because it's it's pretty bad when they when they don't time it right. Um, it, I struggle to get into those tape shows sometimes. But what carried me through this show, you know, as well as the the, the matches at least in ring delivering, even if they weren't the most appetizing going in, it was the angles, you know, it was that, it was that we got mm. this, this big Darby Allen, you know, sting angle. It's that we got, you know, the, the even, even Jericho and MJF, you know, bloodying up the, uh, the young bucks dad, you know, I thought I lost that was particular. Oh, he's selling. I'll give us a selling when he was like literally leaning on <laughs> oh, the, awesome. the truck and yeah. the blood was like dripping down. <laughs> he was so great. Um, there was that. Was he really looks like Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> Particularly in Blades of Glory, where he plays like Will Ferrell in Napoleon Dynamite's um, coach. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got, yeah. he's got, he's got that kind of look. Um, but yeah, you know, getting that, getting you know the, the great Moxley promo on the show. This was one of those. Remember that time? Remember at the start of AW when we were like, "Oh, well, it's just it was just match, match, match. We need angles." And then every now and then they do a show like this where it was just angle overload. And again, I'm not saying it wasn't too much. I did feel like you know, once they did like the same angle with the you know with the dark order, you know, it was a bit like, okay, do do we need another injury angle on this on this same show? Mm. Maybe not. Do we need five or whatever it is to to go through a table on top of all of the other you know big bumps that we've gotten on this show? Maybe not, but I can't say any of them to the man didn't work. I got I got a load of joy out of all of those angles, and it kind of it carried the show for me. And that you know, this is the type of show you do that on when you when you have maybe haven't got the big matches when you are mm. two weeks out from a pay per view. It's like you know we were talking before we started off booking TW. You know, it's the old EWR trick, isn't it? You know, get your heat up in your feud uh, with a couple of hot angles, and for me, that's that's really what this dynamite achieved. And like you referenced that Moxley promo there, but again, to me, that was just—it just felt like perfection. It was such a great promo, but as as well, I think coming off the back of the fact that they just put him in that squash match essentially at the start, mm. it was just—it just sort of was a different type of production, you know. In yep. not almost like you talk about like you talk about like EWR and things like that, and you, and, and in your mind, you almost like just fall back into. Monday Night Raw tropes that somebody comes out and does a ten minute promo at the start and to start the show off uh, in the ring and, and 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 set things off and that to me was just like yeah put him out there put him in a squash match mm. and then deliver the promo straight after it was like made him look like you know made him look like a star he gets a gets a nice win one more notch in the column you know it doesn't matter who it's against you know get to see some of his moves and then just let him mouth you know mouth off and and, and sell this match that's that, that's to come and like what a fucking promo like uh, this i mean god just giving it handing him an open mic like this and just getting him to talk about something that he's clearly genuinely very very passionate about and you know where he's you know obviously is you know i think he had that line about like what images come into your head when you're thinking of an exploding Balbire death match and you're just like, what a line just to get somebody what you know, just to just to yeah. set your mind racing and then he talks about his addiction to it all and you're just like, oh, this is you know, this is sold. And and then and then for me, 
the fact that they then immediately followed it up with a cracking video package of everything that had gone before with him and Kenny Omega as well. So it was like, here you go. He's delivering this awesome promo to you know get you set up for wanting to see this match. You've got the passion. You've got the vitriol in there. And then they show the video as well, which... So you see a bit of the Kenny Omega stuff. You see a bit of the history. You've just, you know, you've just, you've built in all that recall of things that have gone before. Like I was literally at the end of that, I was like, fucking, where do I sign? Mm. You know, kind of thing, like sold, literally talking you into the building. This is what happens when you have a company that's trying to sell you on matches and feuds for a pay-per-view and not brand. Mm. I'm not saying order this because we're WWE. Mm. This is, you get this match, this match. And it just, I just, it sounds really bizarre to say this. I love being sold to on this. Mm. I love the idea of you're going to make me excited to stay up and pay for this pay-per-view. Mm. And it's like, yeah, and you've done the job. Like, And even just sort of going through that very clear lineup of who's on the card and what's happening and what the stakes are, just those little bits. And this, because it was a tape show, felt like kind of also gave me a chance to focus on some of the, the much more undercard kind of bits as well. Mm. So you didn't need to have a Kenny and Moxley interaction. And that was the reason it was so good. Like, it felt so different. However, and I know tonally it's a bit, it's a bit strange, I, I really enjoy the Alex Marvez walks in on Kenny Omega doing something fucking weird bits. Yeah. And here, he's in that I weird gear like he was one. wearing last week. I didn't like I, this one. This is where I was going when I was saying not all the angles. Yeah. I, I knew you wouldn't like this. I was laughing away and I was thinking, Ben, who's sat there going, bloody Omega doing his like, comedy shtick bleeding into it. Yeah, it, it, it makes me laugh. <laughs> but he's the world champion. I know. I was laughing my head off. Like, <laughs> he needs when to protect him from the audience, JP. And I, you know what? Maybe maybe this completely counters my own argument. But he's Kurt Angle. He's Kurt Angle who could never help himself. And Kurt Angle was the mm. most entertaining comedy worker, one of the most entertaining comedy workers of all time. But at the same time, it undercut him a bit as a top guy, I always thought. At least in his WWE yeah. run. I know he made up for it in TNA. If anything, the better Kurt Angle happened in TNA. There you go, JP. You're on my side now. Um, that, that, is, that, that is what I don't like about Kurt Angle. I run. When he yeah. first came in and he first shaved the head yeah, and you yeah, just thought he yeah. He's a hard bastard. Yeah, yeah. And I don't expect Kenny to be a hard bastard. And I know I can t- I can take the entertainment value out of the individual segment, but I don't know. Mm. Doing these every week I, I, on in the build to this big pay-per-view match. If people are enjoying it, fair enough. You know, I'm sure the hardcore AEW base is enjoying it as well. I just think, I, I won't go over it again. It undercuts Kenny as a star for me. But you're right. It, it, it screams me hating it, and I did hate it. Sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I get the idea is the best bout machine. Here he is. He's doing comedy. I think there's just something about, I also enjoy the fact that, mm. and this is probably why Big Bird has become Booker of the Year. If you think of angles that he's managed to revive and even people he's managed to revive, I just think watching Alex Marvez, and I think I said this last week, of how much on that first show I was like, no, doesn't work, get rid. And it's kind of nice that he's found his role as this investigative reporter within AEW. So he made does a bit of backstage, but he tends to be the guy who's just sort of inexplicably placed in the right in the right time. And he's got this wonderful feet expression of complete befuddlement of like, what's going on here? Why are you building this ring? And then Callis will have a go at him and go like, and they'll just go, Marvez, what are you doing here? And then they'll go into the kind of silliness. The problem is, and I do completely get your point with it, is is you get the Moxley promo, and this is completely like kind of 
180 degrees. So you're thinking, okay, it's kind of weird, but then it you can explain away in it. And maybe I'm just finding excuses of saying, well, this is how Kenny Omega is. This is how he reacts to matches. This is why he behaves this way. And I think AEW has enough goodwill because, again, I mentioned the fact he won Best Booker in the award. My God, was he happy about that. Oh, we should mention like, that. Yeah. He, it honestly feels like he could be done in a year. He could just go, fuck this. I, I've, I've done it now. I want Booker of the Year. I want to do it once more. So he's up there with Giant Barber. And then, like, if he fancies it going for four in a row and seeing if he can beat Vince McMahon, I'll tell you what, it's out there for him to take every year. Mm. We, you know, you know, when we think of new where New Japan may be going towards, when we think of where WWE is, you know, this is someone who just is doing this sensible, logical booking of how to structure. And you mentioned about this, like, as a taped show. The one thing I'll say about these taped shows is they're just – they're never dull. I find myself all of a sudden watching and I'll see and I'll like be 50 minutes in and I'll go, how did that happen? And it'll be through watching, I don't know, Adam Page versus Isaiah Isaiah Cassidy, you know. Um, and it's like, and it was fine. Like there's a lot of these kind of like three-star good TV matches in there and they've got that mix right. You mentioned where they were going from angle, angle, angle to, to kind of just match, match, match. They've actually got the structure of their show correct mm. yeah. and you know and to the point will's making in the chat you know uh, kenny is supposed to be the bad guy and he's supposed to be the douche yeah the, mm. there's the, there is an argument there it might just totally be me agree. it might be me personally though that i i, I think that the difference here with kenny is that i don't know i i, I think I think you know you know the the you know what he's going for. You know he's tr- for me. I just know he's trying to be funny and he's trying to be this character, and it just it doesn't work for me as like a as like a fully formed you know bad guy character who doesn't aware what he isn't aware of where he is. I don't know. Again, might just be a me and Kenny problem. Um, but I, I I think it just it just makes me feel like he's is a dickhead. And mm. as a heel, I think that's 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 fine, and it is almost like some eighties movie like dickhead heel kind of, kind of thing in a in a way that has been presented as well. And um, you know, you just for me, you just like yeah, Mox, Mox is cool as fuck, and you want him to beat him. It's whether the individual for me, it's whether the individual entertainment of the segment, like something, can be entertainment without entertaining without being productive. I'm not sure. For me, my my pushback would be: I don't think it's productive for a top guy to to be like that. But is it, you know, is it a big enough of a difference maker to be a huge problem? Maybe not. Maybe it's only a minor problem. Maybe it's, you know, again, a, a, a taste thing with me with him. Um, but you know, to pick back up on on what you were saying there, JP, about like the 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 I suppose the balance of the shows. Yeah, I think they are getting that right. I think this week maybe it was a, a bit too much in one direction. But if you can't get away with that in what is essentially, you know, you you go home to you go home. When can you get away with it? Um, I mean, did you guys have any other thoughts on on the on the in ring of the show? Um, I don't know. I don't. Wanna, I, I enjoyed the show. I thought Phoenix and Phoenix and Lance Archer was an interesting match in that I enjoyed bits of it, and then there were other bits where it felt like they were complete strangers. And um, there were a couple of spots, especially earlier on, where they kind of seemed to just miss each other a little bit. And I don't think it being an edited show helped uh, in that regard. In that trying to stitch it back together didn't really cover um for a couple of the what looked like slight blown shots spots at the start but once it got going and once we got the big spots 
I was into it with everybody else. I don't, to be honest, I don't mind a you know a spotty, maybe slightly messy match if it's got two wrestlers that I really like in it in Lance Archer and Phoenix. So yeah, I enjoyed it, but I, I didn't think there was much else from a in ring point of view that was a highlight of the show. How about you, Gareth? Yeah, I mean that that main event, like I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I like enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was, thought I was going to. And again, it's something that I've highlighted in recent weeks has been the average ratings that have come through on the app, and and it's yet another week where there's a match on on Dynamite that averages above four point seven five. It's currently averaging out at four point eight. Uh, sorry, three three point eight five on the on the on the app currently. So that's literally every single week bar one this year that AW has had a, a, a three point seven five star match or higher on it. And I enjoyed it as a match. I agree with you. There was some bits there at the start that looked a bit sort of a bit sloppy and um the it didn't necessarily hit the mark. But I think what they what they did as a whole and I, I think that the way that they I think they, what I enjoyed most was the pre- presentation of Phoenix in this match and then probably the presentation of him earlier on in the show where they showed that sort of clip from an, from the interview as well. And they just presented him as, like, despite his style, they presented him as a, like, a tough little bastard for once of a little one of a one of a word that he was he was there just like giving it to Archer in the interview and then when the match started he just you know totally just you know faced up to him and he's just right in his face immediately and he took a took a beating and just kept you know coming back with the um just the the opportunity like opportunistic you know high speed like high intensity you know it might be a drop kick or it might be a strike or it might be you know something else but i think the way that was like worked into in into the match and just i think it gave phoenix like quite a lot of quite a lot of bit credibility to be going in there with someone like archer and you know looking that aggressive and looking that you know you know that tough in certain instances the fact that he just wasn't put away so easy and he was resilient and scrappy and kicking out of stuff and trying to come back and things and to me this was almost like a classic example of um like wrestling booking where it's you can lose and come out of it at the other end looking more than before like before you went in like even though he even though he lost the match at the end of it i thought oh phoenix is stock has risen there you know he looks like somebody who could be a credible threat in a heavyweight you know title match in the future or you know if he's put in there with big men again you know he can he can totally you know come out of it looking credible you didn't need some sort of like bullshit little finish or or um, something in there to 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 get around it and work around the fact that he don't put either over which would be the double whaler in it absolutely and uh, you know i thought i thought i thought that was well and and when they did when jake roberts did get involved earlier on it was early enough in the match that it didn't have an income uh, an impact on the outcome and then it was used to do the spot where phoenix obviously dives over jake's head kind of thing that it was like a cool like a cool moment in the in the match as far as the spot goes as well so it was the interference was almost worked in to provide phoenix with the opportunity to do something spectacular and look even better as well really you know so overall i mean i enjoyed this i've i've literally watched it this afternoon and i ended up throwing a four star in on the app i'm thinking like on reflection maybe it might be more of a 3.75 but i was definitely like taken away with it taken away with it in Mm. the uh in the moment as from a action and an enjoyment point of view it was it was really good but also from a 
deeper booking standpoint and building of talent standpoint. I thought I thought it was just executed to perfection. Yeah, I think I'm absolutely. I think we all love Phoenix, but I think I might be the even higher man if we're all the higher man on phoenix i'm like the even higher man so my instinct would be to be like no but you still put phoenix over to that point you, you lance archer couldn't afford another big loss like this especially to a smaller yeah. wrestler and if you if you and i've got no problem with it that kind of tells you something mm-hmm. um and you're right gareth yeah they, they, they got it they got it right um any thoughts on that one jp or any of the else of the the in-ring stuff on the Ooh. show um i'm trying not to mention that ryan nemeth got another uh another another in-ring album for some reason yeah, what's, what's he got over weird, tony khan what is the re- what is the reason that they, they, what's he did he built it up to a team with Dolph or something is that what's is that that's what, what i was thinking i was honestly to god wondering i was like i wonder if he thinks his contract's something gonna put him in a team he's like really this is a an odd way of going about sense. it isn't it yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't make any sense at all but i suppose i mean there's stuff on it like the stuff that wasn't good like your jake hager versus brandon cutler kind Forgot of disappears quickly show, enough yeah, yeah yeah from that i mean there's there's things like i do enjoy it and it doesn't mean you're always going to get for great matches but the idea of having the varsity blondes in there hmm. like i'm kind of fine with that and I kind of want to see those teams because mm. I'm happy they're not burning away big matches. And that's the, the feeling that I really get about it is, is that you need, like, you, you want to be developing this undercard. The idea is that you get enough wins on Dark, that you mm. get a chance on Dynamite, but then you're probably going to lose and then you have to go back to Dark to win to get yourself back up. And I like that. That's the most simple form of storytelling of just, like, where wins and losses really matter for these people at the bottom of the card who are trying to get a place onto it. I didn't mind this as a match. And like, sometimes it would like the idea would be that they had a lot of kind of close pins on um, cage and Starks. But again, Mm. I don't get as bothered about that stuff as what other people do. Mm. Cause I think there's an idea that they're going to kind of turn up on the big occasion. That's what the big wrestlers do. So on the pay-per-views and the rest of it, whereas here, maybe they're going to take people a little bit lightly. So I thought that was fine. I mean, Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker. It kind of reminded me of like how good Nyla Rose has become over this time. And also like, what a shame they haven't really done anything with her recently. And the predictability is that she's basically there to lose to what will be Rio Miyazami, I, I would imagine, because they've flown her all the way in to possibly have that match with Hikaru Shida. But she's someone who you can really start to see that kind of value there and is a lot more expressive as a personality as well. Weirdly enough, I could see her becoming a face at some point as well. It's not like it was an absolutely great match, but it's good, solid TV matches, which at a time when people were very, very critical about the women's division and you start to see it take shape in little ways like this and you start to see Britt Baker kind of really getting like the point where she's getting like a ring time up that little, that bit more and she's having those better matches in there. Um, and I don't want to see her lose too much because ultimately I want her to be the kind of face of the division, really. Mm. Like, honestly, her as a heel champ with kind of various people ch- chasing after and her getting out of it, yeah. there's that that makes complete sense. And then having the kind of talk show stuff as well. So there's there's things around about it kind of like in ring that I'm I'm kind of enjoying. I'm sure I'm forgetting another match that was on there as well. But well, I was going to yeah. say, Hangbound Pages, Aya Cassidy was one that was like for yeah for me that that was like 10 minutes too long unfortunately you could tell what they were going for they were trying to have like you know give him that yeah. epic match with hangman that would like people would be talking about after the show and instead just giving them that extra five minutes too long if anything hurt the match mm-hmm. ended up with three stars on that one you know it could have been mm-hmm. a three and a half plus 
type of match. Um, but again, it wasn't really a, a show about the in-ring this week, was it? It was more about like the, the stories continuing and you know mm. the build for the pay-per-view next weekend, which you know, my yeah. interest is up. You know, I am. I'm excited. I'm even. I mean, the one, the one angle actually they haven't done much with Cody and Shaq. That's this Wednesday, lads. Um, like, believe it or not, similar to the, the stuff that was on um, BR Live or whatever last night, uh, underpromoted. Um, this is very much the the match that. Yes, we got some. We got some. You know, video segments and stuff, but. I don't know. I, th- I kind of feel like the point of doing Cody and Shaq is that, you know, you draw a lot of attention to it. Where was the Cody in-ring promo on this show? It was like a go-home to that. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely scratching my head on that one. What exactly What exactly we're getting out of it? You know, it's a bit like, you know, WWE using whatever that rapper's name is that they've got all over the TV show right hey, now. Um, he's, he's incredibly popular. He is. Drawing all those ratings, is he JP? Yeah, but, you know, yeah. K- k- not an extra million each week to Raw, is he? No, he's not. Uh, that's the thing, isn't it? You're right. He, he kind of, he doesn't, you know, if, what's the point of it if you don't get that out of it? I'm feeling a little bit like mm. that with the Shaq thing, but, you know, maybe it'll still draw that monster rating on Wednesday. And something that still, like, jumps out to me with with Shaq that I've pointed out in the past is he's not promoting it on social media at all. Yeah, like, yeah. and like, you look here, like, on Twitter, he's got 15 and a half million followers. And, like, literally there's just photos of him, like, eating chicken wings in a Atlanta Falcons <laughs> shirt and things like that. There's nothing, you know, it's, it's, it's doing side promotion. Big for the big like, match then, yeah? <laughs> yeah, you know, like just, just well, the, Kimbo like, Slice style, or no, who's the other bloke? Just doing like, promoting other things, promoting other products, promoting other sports even. Like, so there's nothing there on, on, uh, on his Twitter. And then, you know, look on the Instagram and it's, it's, it's the same as well. And, you know, he's got 18 and a half million followers. Surely that's what you're buying by getting Shaq on the show is that you're saying, let's convert 5% of the people who follow him on social media to tune in and watch him on, on, on dynamite. And if you do that, suddenly the number that you, you know, the rating that you pop there, mm. suddenly you're absolutely busting through the million mark, million mark. You're busting to one and a half at that point, you know, once you, once you get these people who are invested in Shaq to watch, but I don't know, is he embarrassed or something like that? Does he not really want to be involved in it? Is it just take a paycheck and go or, you know, because you want him promoting it in advance. You don't want it to be something that he's, is sticking on there retrospectively. If there's some like cool spot that they do or something like that, you want people tuning in live on the night. Maybe he's working on his bumping, you know, working on his rolls. Yeah, maybe yeah. he's in the nightmare factory. You know, he's just, he's got his head down, Gareth. He's going to, he's going to blow us all out, blow all our minds on Wednesday. Well, he's got two days to put it on Twitter anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But said in the chat, Cody it, knows it's a dog, um, and yeah, it's gonna make him. It's gonna make him look bad, isn't it? So maybe oh he's yeah, sell it as well. Well, Jay Cargill's there, mm. and apparently she's brilliant. At what I don't know, mm. because again, I'm gonna ask this question, and I've asked for a few weeks. Who is she? <laughs> Why is she with Shaq? Mm. Why is this entire thing happening? It, none of this at its core doesn't make any sense and don't get me wrong i'm up for fucking wacky shack doing something crazy in a wrestling ring mm-hmm. because for shits and giggles but really like this has been a like a cluster fuck of an angle yeah like the only positive really i think in some uh, one of the positives with it is it's because there's so much else happening, mm. you don't need to sort of stare and concentrate on it for too long. Mm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'd be fascinated to see what they do with this. But I suspect on it Thursday is, morning, 
it is the butt to all of our glowing, you know, praise of AEW. It's it's all at the moment. It is the butt, isn't it? Um, mm. But I was going to say actually to the point of glowing AEW stuff, and you mentioned it briefly there, JP. I mean, obviously we've still got to still got to get a, get New Japan in, so we won't spend too long on it. But I, yeah. I did want to ask what you made of uh, AEW getting the run of the Observer Awards. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't get oh. the ballot in in time, um, so I can't take any responsibility for this one. Um, but really, really interesting, like. Just to see that, you know, from, from what we said there, from an angle point of view, what who dominated the talkers? Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, yeah. you know, even Cody, Jericho, MJF. It was all AW guys. Like you go down the list: Wrestler of the Year, John Moxley, Most Outstanding In Ring Wrestler, Kenny Omega, Tag Team of the Year, The Young Bucks. Like I said, Eddie Kingston, Best on Interviews, AW Best Promotion, AW Best TV Show, Match of the Year was the Bucks and Kenny and uh, Page Tag. Um, Moxley was the US MVP and as we said before Tony Khan won both of uh, the awards for best booker and for best promoter um, I mean I, I don't even want to get into the you know brain dead discourse you see on Twitter from people who seem oh. to think that Dave Meltzer picks these awards himself um, I thought Voices of Wrestling made a really good point today about the fact that well at the end of the day that it's just based on what people are watching and WWE, this is a very US centric audience and if WWE have a good year yeah it is reflected in these awards when WWE has a bad 20 years or however long it's been. Uh, your <laughs> mileage may vary compared to me. They have bad time. Usually it's, it's New Japan dominating them, but New Japan have had a bad year too. So who's dominating mm. the awards? It's AEW. And I know there'll be the WH Parks at the year who will disagree with some of these choices, but I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a couple of, of ones where I go, oh yeah, maybe you could have given that to a New Japan wrestler, but overall, <laughs> I'm not really going to be the one going to bat for it for WWE when it's not Roman. And for yeah, most of these awards, these all seem reasonable, especially, again, it's that Torhome one that sticks out to me. I like, of course, they're going to yeah. dominate the Torhome awards because they're the only major American promotion that lets their wrestlers talk. Um, so, of course, it's going to Yeah. They're the largest kind of company that has a product where their wrestlers get to talk, um, like, effectively construct their own interviews and be themselves to a degree, mm. mixed in with having the time to have matches mm. and in- interesting and innovative matches on a regular basis. Mm. So it's going to win. And that's, again, we've said a lot of positive things about AEW. And I think in some ways, like, we kind of really want it to be because we all know that a WWE with a fire lit under its arse is an infinitely better company. And they themselves need this competition arguably more than anyone else to kind of try and get them out of this slump rather than trying to buy their way out, which would normally be what they would do to all manner of underhand tactics to kind of take them out of the equation. Mm. But it's it's not a surprise. I mean, like, I, what is competing against it? What is a better promotion? Because, like, we watch pretty much everything. If it's WWE, it's just like, right, you're in a minority. You think this is this is good within this kind of, like, hardcore group of people. The same group of people who probably, like, when they see a grapple rating, uh, Dave Meltzer, Look at his that happens. Like, people literally you know, do that. Don't they? Trust me, nuts. Yeah, yeah. like people, people, you get replies when I put them graphic up saying, "Well, it's just one man's opinion," and, and I'm like, "No, it's literally not." It says at the top that this is based yes. on thousands of ratings. Yeah. <laughs> like, Thank you, the opposite of one man's opinion. Mm. This is multiple people. Mm. Good old Dave. <laughs> it's all caps, Dave, as well. Come on, <laughs> get your act together. Um, but yeah, th- this is like I-, I think for them, it's like for the most part like 
there was no chance of WWE winning. New Japan were bad. Realistically, this is the biggest promotion that's gonna that that's gonna get these. And like you said, it's American centric, so it 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 it's a vote. It makes I, complete sense. I make for although for lads. Tony, oh, go he's gonna give up soon, isn't he? On the back of this, because he's done it. He's done like it. he's just looking for a couple of records, but. He's completed that. EWR. He was great on Observer Radio, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was good value. Um, yeah, I was going to say then, you know yeah. what? And I, I, I know I make jokes about like you know all Japan and Noah, and, and actually they're not getting left to the end of this podcast this week. It's New Japan, which says something about these awards today. But as you'll point to, Gareth, you know these are promotions who you know you might surprise you. They surprise me. You know that you know that last um, you know the the, the Muta headline show that had you know a hundred odd ratings on Grapple. You know there are people out there watching it. But that's compared to, you know, many hundreds who are watching the big AW shows. So when it's a public vote, of course the bigger company is gonna win. Um, of course the like JP said, the 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 highest quality, relatively easy to watch mainstream promotion is gonna get all these things. So yeah, no controversy there for me. And the thing is as you're reasoning them out there, like I'm literally listening to each of those and thinking, like who's the argument for the alternative? And like in the majority of instances, you're looking at them and you're going, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. You know, and the, the, you know, you get to say like the match of the year thing there, mm. that's probably something that does become a bit more subjective, you know, when you're breaking things down to it, to an individual match, but well, as a body of work, yeah, <laughs> as, a, as a body of work, when you're looking at like, you know, in ring world, um, for, from an American wrestling standpoint, from you know, from a uh, booking standpoint, and things like that, there's there's, there's no argument. And what, I mean, when you total these up, like, why is it? It's slightly over a thousand people, isn't it? I think that are mm. voting on it. So it's a fucking big sample size, of be, you know, of people as 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 well. That you know, from a, I don't know if I got into the weeds of my day job and looked at statistical accuracy and things like that. You know, you're looking at things been, you know, real, you know, real strong um, statistical confidence in that data as as well. And okay, you might go, yeah, they 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 come from because they're observer readers they come within a certain bubble of wrestling fans. But you could argue, well, there are people who are watching more stuff and then they've probably got a bit more of a discerning opinion on what's good and what's bad because they're you know, they're they're not just watching one brand or one style of product and things like that. They're looking, you know, they're looking at different alternatives and probably consuming more wrestling as well. So I don't yeah. I don't think you can argue personally. The only the only counter to that is that maybe yes, there is an influence of, you know, Big Dave. You know, Big Dave's opinions are strong and mm. you know, come with years of history behind them and his readers are gonna take it seriously. And there will be, you know, as much as he tries to pretend he's neutral when it comes to say his Hall of Fame, he's always gonna have an influence over people. You know, you've got to take that, you know, as maybe an yeah. element of it. But like you said, Gareth, the overall and you know, the amount of people who voted in this, I just don't think you can really hugely, hugely hugely argue the way to like i said to you jp you know at the end of the day Meltzer was was going on about how edging randy orton was robbed for feud of the year and because he thought there was some excellent promos and matches contained within that so people don't listen to him on everything edge orton ladder matches they're three things guaranteed to get you more Mm. than four stars in dave Meltzer's world so you know (laughs) people are uh (laughs) people are discerning sometimes when it comes to his opinions um but yeah i think i think the biggest thing for me was it was surprising you know how how we new japan did 
even in the face of you know mm. their last year, I thought that still they'd still have you know uh, an element of the fan base that you know would would still you know stick behind them and still you know vote for a you know a Kota Ibushi in big numbers, or they'd still vote for you know uh, different New Japan stuff from this year, or vote for Gedo as Book of the Year. Uh, you know, you know, even those people are gone. Yeah, I'm definitely not one of them. Um, but you know, on that New Japan front, yeah, you know, there's a reason why. We're about to talk about them last on the podcast mm-hmm. as well. You know that that lack of interest in the in the Observer Awards uh, spills over to I think our own lack of interest in in talking about them as a promotion. Um, how often how often do we leave New Japan last when they have three shows, three shows mm. and a couple of big news stories as well, and it's still you know less interesting than talking about progress in AEW. Um, yeah, um, I mean, well, I'll start with a positive. You know, I, I don't have a huge amount of positive to be honest to say about the Castle Attack shows from this weekend, but I will say uh, I watched New Japan Strong. Well, I watched the main event of New Japan Strong with uh, with Moxley and Kenta. For for everything I said earlier about progress and MT Arena wrestling, that was a great example of the opposite of what you do. Of what you did, what Moxley. You know, we praised them last week. He came out to that match like you know. I said said before the progress show was lacking energy. This match was not lacking energy or momentum mm. or pace. There was something about the way he worked that match with Ken and Kenta did this part too, and it just didn't stop. It was a breakneck speed from start to finish that made it work. In even in you know, and you'll attest to this, JP, as someone who watches it most weeks, the deadest empty arena setting, which is New Japan Strong. Um, it didn't feel like that during this match, and I felt like a lot of that was was pure Moxley. It was pure momentum in the way the match was paced. Um, it flew by and actually gave it four stars on Grapple. Uh, highest rating I gave any New Japan match this weekend, uh, which might tell you what I think about Castle Attack when we get to it, but I was a big fan of this. Uh, I don't know if you just watched that match or the whole show, did you, JP? I watched that and I watched Narita Dickinson. Not long before we recorded, because mm. um, I didn't at the time, because I kind of want, I got up and basically watched it kind of cold. Cause I didn't want to see anything about it online, so then I went to see it, mm. and I was so pleasantly surprised. It was something that I was thinking, oh, I, I'm not sure how it's going to be because that environment is, it feels incredibly sterile um, for what it is. I'm not mad at Alex Kozlov's. He's always a terrible commentator. Awful. But like they got Rocky in for it. And I think that made a bit of a difference as well. Cause you got Rocky and Kevin Kelly and you're like, Oh, that's good. Yeah. Why don't we have that every week? It limited how often anyway. Kozlov had to talk is probably mm. the helpful thing. Oh, mm. it, it like Kenta as well. Like kind of like coming off that, you know, I know even though this was recorded before it, but that, that kind of performance on the the AEW show in that main in that main event as well. Like, I mean, he loses nothing, but he didn't lose anything by losing it, which I thought he would have done if he didn't win it. Do you see what I mean? He had the briefcase for so long; it was like he had to have that title back. But the way he did it, I mean, that just that ending sequence, which was something you just don't see on kind of television programming, where he's just got his middle fingers up and he's just going like "fuck you." And he's just like kicking knee and delivers that like kind of death rider DDT. Mm. And there was, it just had, like you say, just energy, mm. like the whole way through. Mm. Um, something that is clearly the best match that has been in New Japan Strong. I mean, I think I went 3.75, but oh. I, I, I haven't gone back and watched it again. I think I probably would have gone to four, but it was just quite early in the morning and I was just sort of taking it in. Mm. And I was surprised by the decision, but it kind of makes sense that it, that isn't the decision as well. Mm. Um, yeah. It, it, it's like it's, Moxley's back in the division with a bang, I think, is behind that decision. Yeah. I shouldn't have been surprised, to be honest, watching it, because I, afterwards I was like, you know what? That is the right decision. You've got Moxley back now. You don't start him off with a loss. Let's go. No. <laughs> yeah. mm. 
really you're thinking about putting them in main events, mm. the first opportunity you can do in front of a decent crowd mm. because that's what he should be doing. Especially like, now, you might not- have the relationship with AEW that allows you, because that was always the problem, wasn't it, with him being US champion? Mm. He was the US champion who couldn't perform in the US when they did that G1 show in the US. Maybe now you can even mm. do that too. Yeah, it all fits together, doesn't it? It really does, doesn't it? And and yeah, sorry, you were going to say, Gareth. No, I was just going to, you know, I was just going to say, I've very much kind of just, you know, felt the same. Like I've given it three point seven five there. I just enjoyed it, just as a, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was just a fun wrestling match to watch. I think because of that energy and tempo to it, and I think one of the things that definitely stood out to me was, like, I, I generally, when I've tried to give New Japan Strong a go. I've I've maybe watched the odd match here or there kind of thing, and I and I just I can't get into it. I don't like the atmosphere. I don't like the feel of it. I don't like the atmosphere that's there, the empty arena style, and like I, I think it's definitely one of the worst productions. Like you've mentioned, Alex Kozlov on commentary there. I think he's been he's, he's been awful. It's it's just a massive turn off for me. Like pretty much everything about that program. When I started to watch this match. I like, I forgot all about that. I just, mm. I zoomed into this match and I was just kind of like, just lost having fun in this match for, for, for what it was. And I probably, like two things with it for me were, I was probably surprised at the chemistry they had. I wasn't sure, you know, I mean, we've seen the old glimpse of them kind of thing on mm. on, on Dynamite, but they, they felt like they had great, um, great chemistry. But also, you know, like you say, they're the result. I just thought for weeks Kent is winning this match and he's getting that belt and he's taking it back and that's you know that's it and it's just kind of solving this sorting out this problem and just you know we can go and wrestle in Japan and you know that use this belt in a different way especially with the way that they were going at the top end with the potential merger of those t- you know the the Intercontinental and the the um, IWGP title thinking okay yeah it's it, it's another title that they can get on their cards over there that they can they can work in a different way so when Moxley won I was like proper surprised by the finish which was you know i think which was which was good but then like you then say then your minds then go into ah well how's this going to work now and you're looking again you're looking at the opportunities and possibilities that can come from that and um yeah it all it all all builds well for me Mm. yeah loved it and it's 3.75 on the on the app like absolutely bang on as well so you know uh, people out there enjoying it And, and interestingly there's more ratings for this match than any match on the two castle attack shows as well so it's you know it just so shows as a mm. as a as a as a pull as a draw for people to 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 watch clearly clearly it worked all the all the kent stuff that done in the background but obviously again just further cementing that the draw that john moxley mm. appears to be at the moment you know he does feel like a if a megastar yeah it's put it on youtube yeah, they should. It's funny because Will's saying in the chat, you know, it was an underhat match online. Because I mean, you're saying there, Gareth, they got more ratings than Castle Attack, so you know, m- maybe not so much. But maybe there wasn't, you know, as much talk about it as you would as a, for me, the match of the week. You know, considering everything we've covered today, I think that is mm. the clear match of the week. Maybe it's not getting quite those kind of hype levels. Yeah, the whole show should be on YouTube. I made that joke to you on Saturday, didn't I, JV? Yeah. Like we when we were doing our our happy hour, I was like, you know, we we could do a, if this was on YouTube, we could do a watch along tonight. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. I don't understand why they, is it keeping any New Japan subscriptions really? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. This is a show you could easily throw on YouTube and uh, and put up for free each week. Um, odd. Yeah. It's generally quite weird mm. as a show, mm. and even with the weird advert in the middle, mm. which you don't know. Well, who is this aimed at? Mm. 
This yeah, is an English-speaking so advert yeah. for a Japanese product that you've got no chance of buying. <laughs> I enjoy that the dojo lads are enjoying it, but mm. like, fuck me, this is from. It's like, and but then that's part of the appeal for me. It's like you're advertising these cards, mm. like to me. I've got zero interest in this. This mm. is just not me in the slightest. But I kind of like it. I would say Narita Dickinson was a was fun, mm. and it was a lot nastier than what you thought it was. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I think he will. Um, I think in some ways this was a test of, because he lost. He lost to the Red Narita, which was like a bit of a shock for me. Mm. But like they were saying, Narita's not actually on excursion anymore, and he's there. And I kind of felt like this is a test of, okay, you're going to put over one of our young lions, how he do that. Mm. And it felt like that kind of test mm. that you would do. And I think it worked. Mm. Um be honest and i think dickinson like sold and gave him a lot but at the same time he didn't really lose anything i think he'd be great for that i think they need some new guy gin i think he's got the size and the builds to kind of stand out and that intensity and my god he's going to go for it because he's an, a complete like kind of like, one of the serious new japan fans mm. like yeah. really serious about it so i hope so but in some way i hope so for tom lawler like mm. there's a lot of people I think, like in terms of that that Gaijin roster that needs freshening up. Yeah. Hey, I'll take those lads any day over that gobshite with an umbrella. Um, but like I said, talked about that earlier enough already. Um, but yeah, I think surprising to be honest, like Gareth says about, you know, the ratings there about, how yeah, my appetite to talk about that is far higher than my appetite to talk about these next two shows. Castle attack also took place this weekend. Best thing about it is the name, to be honest. Um, I suppose the the headline story coming out is Kota Ibushi and and Tetsuya Naito trying to kill each other again over the Intercontinental title, and then the the outcome of it is that lol Naito loses again, lol. We're actually getting rid of the IC belt anyway, uh, and also we're getting rid of the lineage of the the IWGP heavyweight title as well. Um, that's just going to go uh, okay, and they're going to start with a new belt that's a merger of the two. Uh, I don't know, before we get into the matches themselves, reaction to that, JV? Uh, I, I, I scratch my head at that one. I saw someone online describe it as a very WWE-like decision, and I can't argue. There's some weird decision-making going on in, in New Japan this last year or so. Oh, yeah. Like, I read that out this morning for the Daily Update, and I think afterwards when I thought about it, hang on a minute, that's fucking odd. And it wasn't, like, initially what I thought was odd, like, from this storyline perspective of these kind of, like, winning both of these together and then having the match for it. It, it was like, well, why did you... What is all of this about? So now you're merging it again. So the Never title is going to be the number two title. And they actually used an Intercontinental opening video package that I thought was quite nice and neat and slightly different from the heavyweight one that they do with the kind of different, slightly different music. Mm. Um, No, now it's going to go right. Okay. I would have thought one of the challenges of being double champion is you've got to defend both belts as well. I kind of like one of the very few things that I kind of like really about this double championship thing, which I don't like. And I was never kind of keen on, but yeah, they are making weird fucking decisions mm. for the benefit, and I don't know for the benefit of. Mm. Just an odd promotion to follow right now, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is. It, it does feel like we're, you know, I, I'll say it again. I. What was that, JP? Is he lo- is he really losing it booking wise? He's lost it. I think I'll be honest. I I I was one of the holdouts. I was not even not even 
fully, but you know, G one season. I had my head in the sand. I was trying to be like, no, it's still good. It's still good. You know, <laughs> it's just a little badly booked. It's still good. It's still good. <laughs> it's like, it's a. Uh... Yeah, and it's really the chickens are really coming home to roost in twenty twenty one. And like you know, the, the similar the similarities to strong to progress were there, but the similarities to Brit Res are kind of there with New Japan. <laughs> Let's not pretend this is happening because of empty arena and COVID. Uh, this was already happening this time last year. We, none of us were particularly excited about New Japan at the start of twenty twenty, and it's for decisions like that, and it's for booking like what we got on these shows. You know, evil in a big match on night one. Uh, struggle to even pay attention to it watching it because i knew i knew what it was and what it, i knew exactly how the match was going to be and it was going to be full of bullshit and you it was going to be evil sleepwalking his way through yet another main event and i struggle to make myself care um if you, if you want to talk highlights over these two nights i don't particularly have any really I, I, I even the good stuff that i thought was particularly raved about online I didn't think it was that good, really. I went into that night two thinking, okay, this is going to be the show. I was really disappointed in night one. I enjoyed Jay White and Ishii for what it was, but even that didn't hugely grab me. Mm. But I went in, spoiled, with all these people on Twitter going on about, oh, night two was really good. And then I watched night two, like halfway through the show, I was like, okay, well, when does the good stuff start? And then the good stuff started to a point, but I, I can't see the matches on that night drew me in either. Um, I struggle to pick out highlights from these two nights. I don't know. Have you got you guys got anywhere you actually want to start? I mean, I really enjoyed the main event of the second night. I oh, mean, there you go. I must, I'm, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I talked there about enjoying the Moxley Kenta match. Um, I enjoyed this one more. I mean, okay. for, for, for me, for me, this was the best match I've, I've, I've watched this week, and like, I gave it, um, I gave it. 4.25 it's like tr- it's tracking exactly at 4.25 on the on on the app as well you know so it's it's at that level that um you know other people other people have have given it um have given it as as, as well so like clearly not a lot of enjoyment there i mean what i would say is is it's it's obviously not as good as you know some of the matches that they've they've had in the past um you know these the these two but you know i still i still liked the i still liked the story that they were telling in there as well i liked the whole at the you know well for for one i quite liked the going into it this idea of naito going after that belt that he'd shown so much disdain for in the past and mm. um and, and things like that 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 as a as a something leading into it i just thought was a like a little wrinkle that I, <laughs> that i quite enjoyed as a as a I don't know a next step on the, you know, the Naito character storyline. Um, you know, in the match itself, I quite like that idea that it, it started off with that very much that like back and forward grappling, and you know, Naito trying to get the better of it, but not really being able to, and then him, you know, shortcutting him in the corner, and you know, him, it, you know, almost been having to. Uh, I can't. I can't actually like outdo you on the mat as I was as I was trying to achieve. So I've got a, you know, knock clean break and a, a, an attack you from there, and then you know, obviously the, the you know the, the working of the knee throughout and things like that. I thought it was good. It was all logical stuff. The way everything was pieced together uh, with it, and I mean, it, it flew by for me. I thought it was a. I, I thought the match itself was a was a breeze. I thought uh, again, it was um, one of those matches where for Ibushi as the champion. I think it added 
led you know added further credibility to him as the as the champion as as well been put through a match like that where he was you know storyline wise obviously like struggling with his knee but then still sort of like finding that fire and that ability to come you know come back you know um proven and ultimately again to be the uh, you know to 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 be the to be the better man and then i just loved the the finish as well when he um you know when he um you know he landed that kamagoye and just like collapsed in exhaustion on top of him for the for the three count just the visual of that i thought was a was a real sort of fitting touch to the end of the end of the match as well and uh, yeah i just I, I finished it thinking yeah it was a it was a great great piece of work and uh, i thought it was a as a match itself it it it, it was strong i thought in terms of giving Ibushi something more in terms of establishing him as a more credible champion than probably Naito got dealt to him last year. I thought it worked because Mm. I think Naito didn't get given much last year that made him appear a strong champion. And maybe there's been some, some lessons learned there. I mean, it leaves question marks for me of where does Naito go from here kind of thing, but that's a, that's a different um, conversation altogether. But, um, Mm. but yeah, just as a, you know, you know, you know, as a, a, as a match and sort of the, the things behind it that I referenced there. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I think for me, like where where that where I split the differences, I don't disagree with you that like, yeah, I enjoyed the f- finishing sequence. But where I don't disagree with you though mainly is that yes, it was. I can tell this is a good match happening in front of me, but this is on the lower end of the matches these two have had. And if you're gonna make me sit through another Ibushi Naito match, if it's then on the other, then it's on the lower end of it as well. You know, as someone who's just not particularly interested in it to start with you've lost me completely there that's kind of where i stand on it where did what did you give it in the end jp what what did you rate it i can't I say the way it was bad yeah it, it, the same i just went 3.75 and i think it's as much as anything else it's not because it, it's bad match and i agree it's like i think it was slightly shorter than what some of these main events have gone and by saying that it's just under half an hour or so i think it is mm. i think there's just a, a general fatigue i have about a lot of the sort of new japan fatigue, main events word, scene. Yeah. and and okay. the kind of predictability of what things are coming next and where it goes and obviously they've released the, the lineups for the new japan cup and there'll be things that we kind of look at probably again on the preview show but like like for that the left field kind of picks are the stuff that i would find a bit more interesting for them to do because i think there'd be more interesting challenges and if they lose they don't necessarily lose anything and that gives credibility to also to the rain as well kicking it off with a naito win obviously is a like a, a kind of a good thing i mean i don't understand the storytelling like i don't understand why if you think of the stuff if you're going back to this kind of classic era of new japan that we have it was like Guy has title. Guy wants to keep title. Guy has lots of challenges that he has to defeat, challenging him in various ways. And over time, he gets worn down, so he's more likely to lose it. Eventually, he loses it, battles to get it back. That's not like what I've said there isn't some complex fucking non-linear narrative. <laughs> it's not the memento of fucking storytelling here. Like this is this is quite bare basic stuff. And here by throwing in these two titles into the mix, it's like they're fucking around with this stuff. And so I don't, what I don't have at the very beginning is that kind of initial investment and involvement that I would get from a clear, coherent story mm. from it. 
And so I went 3.75. I mean, I, I would say there's stuff like, and again, this would be a much better, and somebody's put it in the chat as well, it'd be a great one-night tournament. And I, I would completely a, a agree with that. One-night show, I mean. Mm. If you had all of these on one night, you'd probably think, ah, oh, there's a solid kind of undercard, middle card here that you have here. I think there was stuff on here that, because these new Japan shows are just out of such a churn at the moment, it's too, we talk about WWE and too much content. This is the thing as well. It's just too much. But there's so much of it. It's so unnecessary. Every one of those Road 2 shows. And it feels like they just got to try and claw money back. So they're going to run as many shows as they can. Get as many of these Budokan. Uh, like they've, they've got a Budokan show coming up this Thursday. Mm. And it's Desperado versus Ibushi. And it's like, and clearly that was going to be Hiromu. Mm. And it was going to be that kind of big match. That's why they booked it. But like, like how's that going to do these shows what the first one did under 2000 people and the second one did close at 4000 if it's 50% i was hearing john pollock say then like you know which apparently it, it tended to seem to be in japan you're talking what five and a half thousand so it's down on that hmm. um then running budokan is good chance they'll do less than what noah did which was like 4600 or so and these things we may not think they're the biggest difference in the world but to them they're kind of the things that tick over that general domestic business and that they need to do. But there's so much of a churn that so much this all, a lot of this get will just get lost in the shuffle of time. Mm. And there isn't anything so outstanding. So there's stuff about Great O'Khan that I actually think he's really improved upon mm. in this match, which I'm imagining you might well disagree with me on that. But just in terms of his, in terms of his character and, and the way he was kind of working, there was th little pleasures like that. It doesn't mean it's necessarily a great match. It's a kind of tanahashi on the wane like having a a good solid strong match where he knows how to sell and work around an opponent who's got a kind of unique offense and he's perfect for it and i'm up for a good tanner rain mm. up against upper mid carders and like maybe that's going to be the case i think the tag title match was kind of better than what I expected because I had such low expectations. It made me think I want Goto and Yoshihashi to hold those those titles as well. Sorry, just think um, about that sentence like, you just said there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I know. I'm fully aware of it. I think a, there's a big push coming in for Yoshihashi. Oh God! I think there's a there's a kind I of I, I honestly I think that's coming. Okay. Is he worth being pushed singles commodity? In New Japan. I mean, I just think for them, their tag division is so shit. No. Just put these two together. They're doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And the crowds at least will have some kind of investment in them more than G.O.D. Like, it feels like we're in those days where it'd just be 10 Cozy versus Killer Elite Squad on a fucking loop for like a year. And it's just like, drives you mental. That's it. I mean, I got you struggle to find a less appealing match for me than G.O.D. versus Goto and Yoshihashi. You say it was better than you expected. Yeah, I expected two stars and I gave it three. That's kind of my, <laughs> my line is on, <laughs> on that one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any strong thoughts on any of the other matches on, on, this, on, the, on this show, Gareth? Like, I thought, again, Tanahashi Okan was okay you know the the going with okan i don't really see it in him i thought you know we should mention that el desperado like he, he to be fair to mm -hmm. him you know I, I this is one spot where you would absolutely imagine um ghetto to go with the pat hand and go okay well hiromu's out what do we do bushi you step up now mate it's your turn i like that they've gone with Despi. a bit of a pat on the back for you know that 
you know, he had a couple of great matches in the, the, these last few months or so. He had a little bit of momentum mm-hmm. behind him. They've reacted to that. I think that's good. Um, I know, I know, I see your points, JP, about, you know, what, what are we thinking business wise on this one? But, you know, it's what, four days' notice or something? When's the show? Thursday, Friday? Um, yeah. You know, uh, they put it together best they can. Um, I don't hate that. I didn't even hate the match. I thought it was fine. It was just your typical. Maybe a good match. It was your typical. The three way was just your typical three way where one person has to lie yeah. down while the other two work. That's just a three way match for you. I can't say the lads in it did anything wrong. Uh, I, I mean, you ask them there about anything else stands out for me, and like I literally, I, I wasn't given the tag match the time of day. I was, I just looked at that and I was like, "There's no way I'm fucking watching this." Like, I don't. You don't know what like, I was thinking, mate. I was bored in work. Yeah, I was going to say, fair enough. But I thought I'll, I'll, I'll watch from that point onwards, and like, I still just don't get great O'Khan, and, and I don't think I am going to get. I just do not see how this character fits in in any way to to new japan i don't see where i i I don't see how he can feasibly ever be at a level that is higher than goto and yoshihashi or anything like that and if that's what they want him to be and they want him to be some character who hangs around and is at that 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 level fine you know i could you know you know being that third person in a stable or something like that who ends up having a nega, never six-man run or ends up having a tag run at some point in the future for two months before G.O.D. win it again or something like that, then then, then, then fine. But this the, the idea that this character and this wrestler is going to be at the top of the card, if somebody can see that, then great. But I can't. I, I, I can't see it at all. And even in this match... Where he's working with a fucking master in Tanahashi, I just thought he just looked slow, disjointed at points. It just I wasn't engaged in it in in, in the slightest. The only joy I got out of this match, like in in, in reality, was the fact that Akan didn't win. <laughs> I was just <laughs> delighted to see Tanahashi retain at the end because. Again, I saw I, I I saw nothing here that gave me any hope for for that. And and as for the the three way as well, again, it was fine. It was a fine. It was it, it was a acceptable match. But I just thought it was indicative of how poor the IWGP to junior mm. division is really at the minute. If this if if this is the this is the three guys to to, to throw out there. And as entertaining as El Fantasmo is at times, mm. like I, it just felt sorely lacking. And you know, I know, mm. you know, obviously we've we've referenced other people. Um, you know, God, I hope Marty's girl doesn't get thrown into this as the answer to the lacking, you know, junior heavyweight division. You know, mm. but beyond that, I don't. You know, again, taking her own out of the picture. Like Osprey's obviously stepped up and moved on, you know. You know, other people have been lost in the, you, you know, for different reasons over the last last couple of years. It's looking really thin on the ground, and and as happy as I was to see like Despy get that kind of pat on the back reward recognition, he's had some decent matches in the last twelve months. But I can't say I'm particularly like, you know excited and you know jumping for joy at the El Desperado run either it's not like it's something where I'm like oh yeah. you know even see, even knowing obviously with the anniversary shows that booking the 
the the main champion against the junior heavyweight champion uh, immediately when that I was I was like oh, God on I can't say that's making me look forward to this next show it's uh, definitely not getting me excited for the for the main event there and I, I think there's you know the tag division looks as thin as fuck the junior division looks as thin as fuck I just really they're just really missing out on some fresh blood and when they are bringing fresh blood in it's the great Okan and it's Master Watto things that these horrible gimmicks that you know I don't Someone know who they're the supposed chat. to be it's not Shingo getting elevated, is it? It's you know, the, mm. it's it's the wrong people in the, yeah, the who get priority. Yeah, and, and I think that's part of the thing for me is 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 they're taking away my enthusiasm for the shows that are to come. Like New Japan, you'd all, there'd always be something there that I'd be particularly excited about. When you looked at the card for day one of Castle Attack here, mm-hmm. and you've seen, you know, you've seen the match list even before the event had happened, and it's like a card against evil. You're just like, fucking hell. Like, like you know, not again. You've like got zero interest in that. You're looking at the, 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 what under, what's underneath that. Like, I didn't, I haven't seen this yet. I know you know, I've seen it's got good ratings, the JYE stuff, but I still don't get it. I still don't understand why this is even a thing, like why the Jay White character has gone from where it was two months ago to now. Jay White doesn't seem to know. He doesn't seem like to have each, any idea. Ish is just the Ish is just the opponent, and I'm like, what is that? Is that the best you can do? Is that is that is that the best you can take from Jay White having this storyline built into where it was, and then this thing that came out where it was always oh, leaving what's happening with bullet club da, 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 and that you just oh, and we're just gonna have a match with ishii like i don't get it kind of like it's it just it, it just feels lame and then for the third match to be to that be yano chase owens i was just like and, and then when yeah. i saw when I, and then when i seen the outcomes and obviously a car driver went half an hour i was like i haven't got half an hour in Life's my life to spend on a car driver no thank you oh. I did, and the, the the problem, yeah, <laughs> as always. Um, but the thing that like, fair, really got too. me about I can't that, argue. <laughs> uh, but that first day, it was seeing Ghetto do the same type of stuff that Dick Togo's going to do in the match afterwards as well. Both Bullet Clubs, and it's just like, are you doing the same storyline kind of twice, like in competition of who's got the sneakiest kind of sidekick slash manager? That's where it gets scary for me with New Japan is. And I, they're not aware of this yet, but there is a kind of there is a there is a chance of a really strong rot setting in. Um, you know, see see things in the chat of what what people are kind of looking at at the moment, and what I'm not sensing is a sense of enthusiasm. Mm. It's more about where these, and I'm probably more up on Desperado being champion because I just think give it to him, let him have some kick ass, hopefully, kind of really hard matches, and then when Hiromu comes back, you have your big blow off match, and it'll be a. Re- It'll be a return match from the best of the Super Juniors final, which I really, I really enjoyed and had in my top ten of the year. So, but you don't have faith in them to do this, no. and it makes you kind of wonder in the directions they're going to go in over the summer months. Because I think we're going to get, we're going to get Okada Abushi again. We're going to get Jay White Abushi then again in the summer. It's going to be the same, and then at some point, Evil's going to get a title shot later on in the year. I think that's the direction that they're going in. And the logical thing of having someone fresh come up, fuck that. It'll be the same. It'll be like I, I'm worried that most of the headline, most of the people who challenge for the IWGP Championship, will be people who've already done it within the last year, two years. That's it. And you know, we got 
New Japan Cup coming up. Can't say I'm excited about that. I, I, I'll, get, I'll give a little bit more credit to Despi and Ibushi. As a, at least it's an, a fresh feeling match. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a bit of interest in that. But going forward, yeah, there isn't a huge amount that's going to grab me. There's probably going to be a G1 in a few months, you know. <laughs> We're going to go back. We're doing that again, lads. It's coming soon. Um, and I always feel like I'm dreading it. Um, yeah, uh, New Japan's 2021 does feel like it's unless unless yeah. things change, it feels like the fall from grace. Um, feels like a different company um, at this point, and there aren't a huge amount uh, of bright signs out there. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on from there, I suppose we uh, on that happy note <laughs> we should wrap things up. Uh, the, it's a shame, JP, because normally here I'd throw, I mean we've gone way long because the, behind the yeah. behind the scenes I had some technical issues tonight. That's we meant this record has run really late. Um, but even if we had time, it's not like you've watched MLW to cheer us all up now, JP, or you, you know you watch some. Was none. Yeah, there's nothing. Or all Japan. Oh, no. Or Beyond Wrestling Signature Series. No, <laughs> I haven't seen any of these things. Nothing, mate. Nothing. Oh, well. well Shocking. <laughs> I'm slacking. <laughs> well, anyway, well, at least we've got some exciting stuff coming up with the Patreon this week. As I say, Film Club is uh, is coming up this week, and you know, we've got uh, lots of uh, lots of other exciting things going on. I'm just looking at the uh, the Patreon page now so I can, I can give the uh, official announcements for Film Club this week. Ready to rumble us one by one vote. Um, yes. on the <laughs> Set twenty eight to twenty seven. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. If there's anyone in the chat who hasn't voted yet, you know, you better get in there quick for beyond the mark. But I think that's a that's a decision that uh, Ready to Rumble, I think, is coming. Um, yeah. I suppose all that's left to do is uh, get to get those plugs out, as we said earlier. Uh, that's coming up on the Patreon this week. We'll be doing a big weekend preview show uh, on Friday uh, for Revolution next weekend and then yeah next monday we will have our big revolution review uh lads anything else you want to mention before we go yeah i mean on that revolution front um we'll be partnering up with fight again so we'll be uh, doing a link to the show so if um i'll be it's something i'll be sending out via email and promoting on twitter and things like that but uh, rather than ordering the show directly with fight um if you use this link it won't cost you a penny more it just means uh, we get a little kickback on that so um i know we've obviously got great support from the the patreons at the minute chipping in for the extra content there this is something else that you can do to support grapple which um yeah like i say doesn't cost you an extra penny it's just a click in a different link so the the support on that will be hugely appreciated um as part of that um work with fight as well got a couple of codes to give away um as a competition prize as well so again keep your eyes peeled on twitter for for that one uh, that'll just be something that you need to like and retweet or something like that to be in with a chance of winning it for free so we'll be launching that over the next uh, day or two and yeah obviously uh make sure you uh, make sure you download download the app if you haven't already and uh, get, get your ratings in for all this wrestling we've been discussing and for aw revolution good lad uh, anything from you jp um, no, well, I'm going to add this sort of new one in. Obviously, you've mentioned a lot, sort of, lot of the stuff that's on, on the Patreon at the moment as well. But um, please, um, like, yeah, rate and review that on on iTunes and other podcast providers. Um, tell us what you think. Well, don't tell us too much. We may not just want to react to it in the first place. But yeah, and then you can find me on Twitter at jpjp3es. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at Benson Richard E, as I mentioned earlier. 
video just went live myself and uh, sp3 and andrew thompson with uh with steph fantasy booking our ultimate aw versus new japan cards you can find that on uh on steph's uh, youtube channel uh, youtube.com i believe it's slash stephanie chase uh, stephanie m chase uh, you can find that there and um, search that the violinist is the other one is that right yeah, you don't want to find the violinist no. you want to find uh, find our steph um, so yeah i'll be on there i'll be uh, doing one of the, the other shows she's got coming up this week with her uh with her, uh, her aw week as well with a, a revolution review from last year but yeah check that out check out the patreon as jp said rate and review and yeah throw your, your ratings in, in the grapple app as gareth said that'll do for us for another week cheers everyone bye let's get ready to rumble let's get ready ready let's get ready ready let's get ready to rumble watch us wreck the mic watch us wreck the mic watch us wreck the mic psych let's get Wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic. Sight. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And rumble. Everybody rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready It's all too obvious. We're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. American families are talking about a future of food shortages, banks failing, society breaking down, and what seems like the setup for the apocalypse. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are leaning into self-reliance, investing in emergency food storage now more than ever. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, has made it easier than ever for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. You get tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200 plus get free shipping on three-month emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what we all know is coming. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com.